Welcome back to the Common Chaos Podcast, your one-stop shop for that beautiful balance of chaos and order. I am your host, as always, Brian Kern. And this is the podcast where we discuss the game of life. That's right, the good, the bad, all the ugly in between. And my goal is to bring you a balanced perspective on everyday topics. And today, we are going to discuss mental health. Just kidding, we're not. Deja vu. We discussed mental health in my last episode, although we are going to touch on that because we are going to sit down with my good friend Matt Musselwhite and talk about all the crazy things that are going on in his head. So yes, I'm joined by my good friend, my brother, a buddy of mine who I've known for a very long time, Matt Musselwhite. But before we get into that, let's get the formalities out of the way. As always, I have to thank you, the listeners, for being so supportive of the podcast. If you're listening to this for the first time or you don't know, I don't charge for anything. I don't have a paywall for you to access this podcast and all the fun stuff that's involved with it. All I ask is that you engage. And a great way for you to do that is to give a like, a share, a follow, a review on whichever social media or streaming platform you wish. I am available on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts. You can find me on YouTube. I'm in the process of getting a customized YouTube link. Once I hit 100 subscribers, I'll be able to have it be backslash at the common chaos so please subscribe to the youtube and by virtue of supporting my sponsors you also support the podcast they directly support me and if you decide that you want to also support my sponsors you not only get to save money but you also support the podcast so continue to do that if you've been listening to my show you'll know that the last couple of episodes have focused on health and wellness and both of the sponsors of this podcast put health and wellness at the forefront of their mission. The first being Fightback CBD. Fightback CBD is one of the best, if not the best CBD product on the market to date, exclusively online and through wholesale. Fightback CBD has taken the fitness world by storm. Justin McClenney has been on the podcast before. He is the founder and CEO of Fightback CBD. You can check him out on episode 59. We go into depth about why he started Fightback CBD, and his stuff is some of the best. It is lab-tested, premium quality. You guys can head over to fightbackcbd.com, learn all about his product, his affiliate programs, how he takes care of his community, and how he is putting out a phenomenal product for you to use that truly supports your health and wellness. I love their nighttime version. He's got it in a 750 milligram variety and it's got a little bit of lavender some melatonin in it it'll put your ass to sleep if you're a jiu-jitsu practitioner he's got rash guards and apparel Um, and if you were just supporting anybody on their journey to mental health or recovery check on uh, check out fightbackcbd.com and you're going to save 20 percent on anything and everything you order through the website by using the promo code chaos that's c-h-a-o-s at checkout, and you're going to save yourself 20% on anything and everything through the fightbackcbd.com website. Go get yourself some products now. The second sponsor of this podcast is going to be Phoenix Fit. Phoenix Fit is a supplement and fitness company based out of Salt Lake City, Utah. They are a largely community-based fitness company, meaning they include not only their local community, but their national and global community as well. Uh, They have a pretty popular ambassador program. They have a brand new program called Club Rise, which you guys can join now. If you join, you save 30% on all of their AM supplements, including their morning greens, which is their version of their athletic greens. 
that is basically going to be your all-in-one vitamin and supplement for your morning routine. Along with that program, you get access to a community of fitness and health and wellness experts, including athletes that Phoenix Fit sponsors. You're also going to get exclusive discounts through other fitness companies that Phoenix Fit works through, through monthly deals that they do through this Club Rise program. So check it out. You guys get to really, really take advantage of some awesome benefits through Phoenix Fit. And they've got some fantastic products as well. They have premium supplements. They also have athletic apparel and gear, gym gear, if you will. Um, They've got some great just regular casual apparel that fits awesome during the fall time. Uh, They do the whole plaid lumberjack, jack, you know, button-ups. They look phenomenal, the flannel. Um, So yes, phoenixfit.com. Listeners of the podcast get to save 15% on anything and everything through the Phoenix Fit website. That's all supplements, uh, all supplements, gear, and apparel by using the promo code CHAOS, F-N-X. That is CHAOS, C-H-A-O-S, F-N-X. And you're going to save 15% on anything and everything. Don't forget, every product purchased through phoenixfit.com, a, donate, a gallon of water gets donated to someone around the world in need, a fantastic program called the Live Free Program. Learn more about all the great products Phoenix Fit has to offer at phoenixfit.com. And don't forget, 15% promo code chaos, FNX. Get yourself feeling good with your wellness, your health, and your overall performance. All right, folks, as I said, Matt Musselwhite is my guest. Matt originally, well, me and Matt date all the way back to high school. We've been good friends. Uh, have no doubt had a roller coaster of a friendship or a relationship, if you will. And I have learned so much, so, so much personally, um, just with Matt being a part of my life, for better or worse. And he is a brother of mine. He is a friend of mine. We are forever connected. And he is a smart cat. And he started scene radio a long time ago, back in 2008. And that kind of morphed into I Hate the Scene in the late aughts, early teens. And then we brought, or he brought, I Hate the Scene back in 2020 during the early stages of the pandemic as a way to just have something to do content-wise. He's been involved in the music industry and the media industry for some time, probably since we graduated high school, much longer than I have. I got into the media world because of Matt directly, for the most part. Um, And at least the media side of, you know, the music and... I guess entertain. I don't necessarily consider it entertainment, but the music industry. He got me on the media side for sure. He was my introduction to that, 100%. And he's just always had really fun, creative ideas. But he is someone that doesn't hold back. He is someone that has a wide range of opinions. He is very outspoken. He lets people know it, and he does that through just what has happened in his life, his circumstances, and it's nothing crazy, nothing any crazier than anybody else has experienced. But it has melded into this creature that is Matt and it's a beautiful creature and we recently put a cap on the I Hate the Scene podcast unfortunately and it wasn't uh, without some controversy more so on the side of just the news that we were covering and the reactions we were getting from the news and instead of just rolling with the punches and trucking along there was some doubling down and some uh I don't know, some just some, you know, yeah, just got a little out of hand, if you will. And we learn a lot about that in this interview. I wanted to give Matt the opportunity to speak his mind, not behind a podcast that is necessarily censored, because I Hate the Scene wasn't censored, but it's just got this weird 
aura around it right now, and we've already put it to rest. We've done our official final episode, if you will, and it's just kind of sitting there now. And so I wanted Matt to be able to speak his mind, and that's what this podcast does. I think it asks some questions and digs deep into the personal aspects of people and, and why they are the way that they are and why they are successful in the ways that they are successful. And Matt has a lot of things to hang his hat on. You know, he's been in the industry a long time. He is very smart. He's very professional when it comes to the getting the job done and following the process or the protocol or what have you. But he's also not a yes man, which is kind of funny. He's not someone that is just going to sit and have someone tell him what to do. And he's, for better or for worse, has to be creating something. And he's always been a creative. And I'm glad that he talked about that the way that he did during this episode I'm glad that he shared those sides of himself because it's kind of hard to get in what I would call an accurate read on Matt a lot of the times. But I think this podcast did that justice and I wanted uh, him to just be able to get that opportunity. And we are, I did video record it. So if you're listening to this, the video version of this interview is available at IHateTheScene.com and the I Hate The Scene YouTube page, which is YouTube.com slash or YouTube slash C slash I Hate The Scene and yes, you can see the video version of this. It got a little weird technically, so you hop in like 15 or 16 minutes into the interview. And so those familiar with the I Hate the Scene podcast, it's the introduction to the interview is literally Matt just talking about him and the podcast, which most people familiar with I Hate the Scene already know. If you're not familiar with it, the video does cut in 15 minutes into the interview, but it is very interview-based. You're not really missing anything crucial to Matt, his life, this situation. He just kind of explains, I hate the scene, which essentially, or what happened, I hate the scene. And essentially, I just did that. So I'm filling you in. Yes, our podcast came to an end rather controversially. Matt is at the center of it, and I wanted to interview him and give him his time. So we did that. As always, you can find this episode and all my episodes at commonchaos.net. The social medias that you wish to follow or subscribe to for the podcast are going to be at The Common Chaos on Instagram and The Common Chaos on Twitter. My personal Instagram and Twitter of Brian of Death. Don't forget the website. Don't forget the streaming platforms. Again, this podcast thrives off of the engagement I get from you guys, my listeners, my fans, my followers, my family. And I can't thank you enough. Forever full, filled with gratitude for all of you continuing to listen to the podcast and supporting the podcast by virtue of just direct support or indirect support of the sponsors. And again, I'm uh, grateful for Matt and being able to have the opportunity to do I Hate the Scene. And I, um, I hope you take the opportunity to listen to a couple episodes of that, if you will. You can find all past episodes of I Hate the Scene at IHateTheScene.com in all major streaming platforms and social media platforms, except for Twitter, because it got canceled. All right. Hope you guys enjoy the show. Love it. I assure you that Don't get the feet. Why? 
We don't need my feet up in there, dude. I got I got nice feet. We don't need people fucking getting off the feet. That's where you're having the uh, microphone, right there. Yeah, I speak down so I can talk down on these motherfuckers. <laughs> Perfect. I'm recording already, so this is great. <laughs> this has been fantastic. A fantastic start. Uh, the preface of this show, obviously, that I'm gonna lay out for people. They're gonna know who you are. And preface. They're gonna know who you are and why you're here. And they've, uh, there's also been a previous episode with you on, but uh, my guest... I don't even remember that episode. Yeah, I know. My guest that I'm sitting with is not just my guest, but he's one of my dear friends, a brother, if you will. Dear friend, that makes me sound really fucking soft, bro. Yeah, it does. Uh, Matt Musclewhite. Possibly the second most hated man on the internet behind Hunter Moore, just given the fact that there's a documentary named The Most Hated Man on the Internet. He started a lot earlier than I did. He did. He did, despite the connections. Uh, and the inner workings of the network. Um, but you also may be the most hated man on Twitter. At least given for a Given recent week. events. Given recent events and what we've been dealing with. But, you know, whatever. That'll obviously get attached to the episode in various ways and what we're going to talk about. But most importantly, man, what's up, dude? How are you? I want you to tell people who you are. Introduce yourself. I'm good. We ended the, the I Hate the Scene podcast a week ago. And so... You know, it's going to be the first Friday that I'm not having to go live and talk about music and bands and bands that suck and get shitted on by various fan bases. It's it. I've been good, man. It feels like a weight off my shoulders. I'm glad. Who? So I gave you this one a little early, and hopefully you prepared like I asked. But who is Matt Musselwhite, and why should the world care? That's a corny ass question. It first is, of dude. all, it is corny. You told me, yeah. You you tell me that in text message, and I'm like, I don't even want to fucking do this. And it's at my own house, <laughs> so I have to be here. I made Matt prepare so hard for this, only because I knew that. Uh, you want me to go back to like college days gonna, of writing essays and give you some like gems or something? It was going to turn out to be quite <clears throat> a uh, interesting conversation, no doubt. But I knew that for like a split second there might be a little bit of matt not preparing and sure enough uh i was right but of course yeah 90 percent. <laughs> i was very serious i was like hey i'm gonna come to your house and yes he does in fact live in a house it's not my mom's basement contrary to a it lot is... of tweets on the internet and negative posts on facebook it is actually not a basement it is, it is this is a room <laughs> That most people would find in a house. I was insulted one time because someone said, is that wood paneling? <laughs> and I don't know what shade of light reflected off this to make wood paneling. Is that, yeah, and I said, what do you think? I live in a fucking trailer? Matt's very triggered by the... Uh, the no, that was, that was an insulting question. I don't paneling. live in a goddamn trailer. He doesn't. No, he in fact does live in and a And I house. don't live in a basement. I've never lived in a state. Ground, it's an above ground house. <laughs> I've never lived in a state that had basements. That's not they true. They don't do basements on the West Coast. They do basements here, definitely. In Texas? Yeah, dude. I've, I, I haven't I, seen anyone's house. Your house doesn't have a basement. No, but I build houses. So <laughs> I know basements exist in, in, in things. Yeah, not in these houses. Out here for sure. I do know they exist. Um, but yeah, you don't see it a whole lot. Although the basement, that's just a trigger thing. People are just going to say that to fucking get people all hot and bothered. It's on Twitter. a go-to when you're shitting yeah. on someone on the internet. You're a troll. Rich. You're a nerd. You're in your mommy's basement. And the funny thing is, is a lot of times you get called that by people who are perpetrating that exact existence. Oh, yeah. Definitely. That are living with mommy and daddy or under their roof and they... Twitter means a lot more to them than than me. Is it safe to say that we too, even as what we try to claim as active adults, and that's what 
that's a clear distinction I think you can make with a lot of the social media banter is who the adults are and who's aren't and who aren't, especially when there are different forms of like expressing yourself. You, you know the people that live on Twitter or you know the people that do have several different forms that they're communicating through and they can at least, you know, make a, an impact more so than just the Twitter handle and then the 280 characters or whatever. That comparison goes right out the window when you engage with them and become just as childish and doing yep. the same stupid shit. Yep. So at this point, I couldn't go back and say, well, y'all are a bunch of fucking exactly. kids. Because I just engaged with a bunch of fucking dumb kids. So yeah, and that happens. You can't. We you can't do. go back and do that. We all, it happens almost maybe too recently, but at the same time, <laughs> I think that it's a very... Am I supposed to answer the first question? I had an essay written out. Oh, yeah. I thought you didn't take... Okay, no. Again, yeah, yeah, that was no, my Matt, whole... Matt you Muscle not taking White, it serious. What's going to be on my tombstone? Yeah, sure. Uh, I'm a almost 35-year-old content-creating pseudo-journalist, former radio host, uh, podcaster... And hey, maybe if I'm lucky soon to be like, you know, Twitch streaming Grand Theft Auto games, you could watch me sell drugs on the internet for legal reasons. It'll be dope. Bro, I that is way better of an answer than I thought you were gonna come up with. So and I'm glad you I'm yeah, glad that no, that's I was, what you came I up was, with. I was born into this world. Like this microphone in front of me, whether it's it's me doing something to insult a classmate in high school mm. and I'm recording a diss record. I'm underscoring that. I'm underscoring both of those points, actually, for my next follow-up. So let's go in. Or it's, it's working in AM, FM radio mm. and controlling a, a sports radio show on AM radio for three hours every weekday and having to book guests for that. And and we're talking like late late two thousands. Like I've been around these shits for a while. Like when I when we're doing this podcast and there's just all these other podcasts doing the same thing. You have the same bands making the same podcast rounds, saying the same shit. It's not entertaining. And so the same reason why I don't like a lot of wrestling podcasts because if it's just two fans, it's like who the fuck cares? Uh, our podcast I thought was a little better than that. Because I don't think that we were necessarily two fans on a microphone. Especially True. in the bands that we covered, we could always be uh, impartial to, yeah. to new artists that we were getting across. And that's one of the reasons... And candidly, maybe not be a fan of the artists that we were even interviewing. Like, let's be honest. And you know. there were a couple times we blatantly interviewed artists we did not like. So Sorry, Phil. Who? <laughs> Oh, you don't even remember? It's, I don't oh, know. Oh, I do. Yeah, homeboy from, yeah, from TikTok. Yeah, him, right? No, I'm Abomination. Oh, damn, that's funny. No, okay, yeah, we, of course we, I remember yeah, that. We yeah, kinda, yeah, yeah, so, I just know, didn't. fun fact, we kind of set him up. I mean, I didn't even think about it that way. I don't think we intentionally well, it, set him well, up. Because you weren't. I, I was, was preloaded very... with a bunch of questions that I wanted to ask him to kind of, like, get him to okay. say some shit, that's and a he lot did. Of, that's and that's the fun thing about interviews is where you can take them. Yeah, yeah. The Matty Mullen one. Matty Mullen's Perfect one is a example. great example. And that was in what started off as a, hey, do you think we can even get him back on, given the initial, like, obviously a Twitter little bit back and forth and, like, a little bit of what seemed to be animosity. But then we were like, hey, maybe we can get him on and get a little bit of, like, a, a clearing of the air. But hold on real quick, because before we get into the I hate the scene stuff, and that's going to be something that I, I have questions for that, obviously. But I want to underscore the fact that you brought up that this is something you were born to do, have a microphone in front of you, and then your two or three main points that you went to were insulting people 
diss record. This is great for changing my image. Writing diss record. I just, I'm trying to just. No, I man, that's who I am. I'm, I'm a Virgo. I overanalyze things. Like I am the most oh, pessimistic real. optimist you're ever gonna meet. Yeah, and like, underscore on the pessimist. Yeah, I think, yeah. Know. I, I look at life that's like deep. the glass could be half full if I want it to be, but I'm a realist and I know it's probably not, and so I'm gonna shit on the reality of that, and I get by through comedy. You know what is what is you can even back up and be more relaxed too, man. You're good on the volumes and everything. What, no, I'm ready to attack this microphone. Yes, I love it. What exactly? So why are you that way? <laughs> Without sounding insulting, but just why? I've been trying to figure it out for a long time. Like the Virgo shit makes sense. Um, yeah, it does. I um, overanalyze. Like I, you can't I was, quit. I was for Thank sure you. born to speak into a microphone, whether it was. Cheers, too. You know, for a long time through high school and college, I thought it was a rap career. I was dead set. I thought that shit was going to pop off. And I had a lot of friends who I think thought it was going to happen, That is factual, too. and I'm one of those friends. So, for, I mean, I, we don't have to go down the air. Like Everyone the entire... has a phase. I don't think the hip-hop shit was a phase because I've never strayed from that music. And hip-hop is the reason that I like any type of music to begin with. That mm -hmm. was, my introduction was cassettes and hip-hop and R&B, mm -hmm. TLC on cassette, Immature, yep. Montel Jordan, yep. uh, Coolio. Give it to me. Like, the Batman Forever soundtrack. The, the Batman Forever soundtrack on cassette on is a fucking classic. The U2 song that's on there is the best U2 song ever made. I don't even know the name of it. It's not just Seal, Kissed by a Rose. You know Harvey Dangerfield's on that? Don't even get me started. Hey, I hate R. Kelly. He got bangers on there, though. He got bangers on there. That's, that's a fire-ass soundtrack. Uh, yeah, don't, don't sleep on the Batman Forever soundtrack. Fuck. Uh, the Dangerous Minds soundtrack. Told that you. was the first Dangerous CD Minds ever also bought. Great. Fucking Michelle Pfeiffer, please. But I think Give that I'm the type of guy that I, I know. California or Texas? Of what weed? I mean, you just gotta answer the question. I just asked California. California? Or Texas. I don't want to live here. I have to live here, bro. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm living here. Yeah, man. <laughs> I don't want it, bro. No one reasonable can afford California. We like there. If, if we hit it off with one of these podcasts or my next mixtape blows up and we can move back out there, like, that's cool. Yeah, but, but it's a waste right back. now for we what you're paying for. We ain't going back. There's a lighter right behind the like, camera. Just don't be stupid with your money, people. But and let me hit this fake thing. The point I'm trying to say is, like, I'm the type of guy, people notice this when I go out on tour or, or the few times that I do get social. I'm 35. I don't like to be out, you know, making friends or trying to talk to a bunch of people like I used to. I, I, it's hard to network like that now. I know a lot of shit about a lot of different topics, and I might not know 100%, but I can keep up with you on everything. So, like, you know, back in the day, if I was dating a girl, I could always win over her dad because it's like, what sport does your dad like? Because if it's not a sport I watch, I've comprehended and absorbed enough ESPN I can keep up with them. And so, like, for a long time, I thought sports casting, being the ESPN guy, was going to be the route I would take. And I think all the delinquency and dropping out of college, like, kind of stunted Matt, that. Matt is 100% uh, walking encyclopedia of sorts. It's kind of outrageous how much Matt is able to absorb, recollect, you know. And I, I find myself to be pretty knowledgeable in things, like myself. And there's certain things where I'm like, fucking Matt, damn, Matt knows everything. Like, sports, Matt throws me under a table. You know, wrestling and music talk, I think there's certain things we come up with and we're like, oh, you're right, and yeah, oh, oh. But Matt, you are legitimately one of the most well-rounded, knowledgeable people in terms of, like, pop culture and 
you know, I think we all were at one point, right? Specifically in our fucking teens, early teens into our high school years, mid school, middle school to high school. Um, we're growing up, hitting puberty. It's very in, an inf- very influential time with us and a very influential period of our lives. But for us <coughs> specifically in the 90s... There's the mute button on this thing. Wow, yeah. No, that's fine. I don't get to control anything. That is fine. Hey. And he's looking at the camera right now because we're also video. What are you hanging? It says something went wrong on this side. What's it say? I don't know. It doesn't look like it's recording no more. Okay. (coughs) Recording now? Maybe. Keep going. What were you saying? Uh, I was just drawing the comparison to the pop culture references that you were bringing up and being our age and during the teen years of one's lives, that's a very influential point in your life. So you're obviously going to gravitate towards the pop culture influences, the music that you like, the sports that you like to play, the friend groups that you're around. So it makes sense. You went deep like and i felt weird a lot growing up and maybe that's why we relate on so many things like our first connection was wrestling and then it was a lame ass wrestling joke that nobody should really get or comprehend and we were whatever reason we locked eyes we you know you know how i knew it was magic you didn't say anything about wrestling before that yeah but i yeah. just knew that mm-hmm. you were that type of fucking a nerd because nerd. that's a nerd shit to say yeah and, and i was gonna like, repeat it i was like look if he it. doesn't get this i could just be like oh dude never mind yeah. yeah. And you knew what I was talking about, mm-hmm. the one-legged wrestler. I said, it's mm-hmm. not like I'm fucking Zach Gowan, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. who still somehow wrestles. Uh, yeah, he's wrote a book. He had a little bit of a drug problem, actually. Didn't we all? <laughs> don't we all? I think is the better no, terminology. No, I'm 35. I'm over that shit. I, don't, I smoke weed, man. Which I think it's sometimes... I'm, I'm, I'm definitely cutting back. This is a very special occasion I for me. I am cutting back. You see this pen now? I... I a very special occasion for me. Um, but no, so for you to be just so gravitated towards wanting to continue doing the pop culture stuff and it becoming a part of your life, like it wasn't just a fad for you in a lot of ways where it is for a lot of other kids our age at that time. It was something that you just held on to forever and you continue to be so. And you are a true sports fan. You are a true music fan. You I never got true... over like, like a lot of people are like, oh, music was only good back in my day. Stop. I still... people that don't have fucking taste. I still like a lot of new stuff. It's just as I get older, I notice there's less and less that I like. And there's just obvious artists and bands and music that is made for a younger crowd that's not meant for me. Like like Kid Leroy, I I can't stand that shit. But I know there's a crowd for it. I know like there's... There's a fan base for that, the happy-go-lucky, like, high schoolers and shit. Also, like, NBA Youngboy. Like, that's a rap artist that I cannot get into. It's also, I think, for high school kids. They think he's fucking cool. So that's cool. But there's also, like, I like mumble rap. I think all of Travis Scott's music's hype as fuck. You definitely cross over. That's right. I love Future. I think Future's dope. Um, Megan the Stallion is fucking fire. I like Dua Lipa a lot. Uh, I'm a huge Dua Lipa fan. She's amazing. She does a lot of good work. I don't know if she ripped off that song that they allege. There's like three copyright suits for the same song. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she's got a couple of her own copyright little suits that she's got. Um, So with that being the case for the pop culture, what motivates you to be so motivated? Or what motivates you to be so involved with sports, music, movies, like the pop culture references we're talking about? Is it something that now you can't break because you've been doing it for so long or do you really gravitate towards these things because of how it makes you feel and if so why uh the same way that i I watch espn and would absorb stats and the news of the day Mm -hmm. Uh, if you watch espn at least like when i used to do this 
they their shows would just repeat and so you would just absorb everything kind of the same way with that i could absorb like music news a lot of times i'll read a lot about an artist before i ever listen to them um and so i have like i like to have the preconceived notion because i know i'm not going to let what i've heard about them sway my opinion but it's going to be super interesting when i get the end factor the fuck are you laughing at i just want you to note and i want everybody else to note that i'm using my blue pen to cross out questions that i've written down previously and like third question down on the page for this for this episode is why are you the way you are <laughs> did we answer that i that was one of the i go why are you this way it was one of the early questions i asked because you were talking about trolling and dissing records and yes that's full circle matt that's what i think yeah with. i think virgo yeah I think, virgo. I think my mom yep. was kind of like kind of did oh, some shit single parent yeah that definitely has something well i mean it. or single child i mean not single parent i'm an only child only and child, in a lot of ways she she had to be a single parent because my dad was working so much the follow-up to that too there was a follow-up <laughs> <It's just laughs> there was a follow-up to that i love it there was a follow-up to that that said, in terms of behaviors and emotions, which you clearly can't control. So I just want to cross that out as well. <laughs> Make sure that that's something that... Oh, shit. We can add sounds after, please. Oh, really? We're not really 13 I don't have still. the buttons, so... We're not really 13 still. Um, no, Brian. You've seen my the way I ruined the Twitter. I am truly 13 and beyond. I was actually considering turning... Like, doing what I would never do on any of my social media accounts and making the profile picture, like, an avatar of something. I was going to ask you, do you think that the behavior with um, what you were mentioning and why you... I mean, I don't even know if you really answered it, but why you are so motivated to be involved with music. It obviously does have emotional connections to you. You grew up on it. It was a way for you to... I like, like the music and entertainment news and pop culture news way better than the real news. The real news sucks, and it's depressing. Well, obviously, but you're not just watching these things for news sakes. You're watching these things because you like the music, you like the sports. What about the music and the sports do you like is what I'm trying to get, get at. Sports is live history. You're watching history in the making. Everything is recorded stat. So, like, when, when I watch an F1 race or I'm watching a football game, I don't watch baseball, fuck it, unless the Giants are in the playoffs. Um, you watch a basketball game, you know, and Steph Curry, you know, our boy, he hits a fucking three. You saw his, you know, three thousand four hundred eighty third three or whatever. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like it's it's live history. That's always been amazing to me. It's history in the making because you're not necessarily going to be around for like the fall of the fucking Roman Empire or September 11th or something like that to witness. Have you history. always felt that way about sports? About anything, just the fact that you're taking in this live history, because that is a way to look at things in general. I think that we've been a part of like 9/11. Wow, I was there for that. People that were there during Pearl Harbor, like that's something that only those people. You could apply that to time. like going to a concert, I guess. But you can apply that, that throughout history. That that was falls like, of empires, wars, dramatic I, events. I was anything super really. into sports as a kid, and it was like later on. I mean, my dad like wow pushed well, a lot of sports on me, so I knew about Jordan and Barkley, but I didn't watch games and I didn't understand the rules to get it all. But you I just watched had, the like, news and the stats on the games. Yeah, and I and I knew that Whoa. I knew that who they who they were. Like I had a Jordan jersey when I was in like third grade. Like I, I they were they were larger than life superstars in the nineties. Like we saw Space Jam like opening night. You know, so I knew all those people, but I didn't watch the game. Like when my dad took me to a Suns and Kings game, I went to see the Suns. I went to see Charles Barkley and they lost. And I was like, fuck the Suns, this is depressing. And I bought a King's Finger, and I became a King's fan. And from there on out, I just rooted for the NorCal teams. Because I was a child. Bro, I can't even... 
turned on him. I feel like I feel the like the music thing is a whole different story. Listen, I feel like if I was writing your anthology, right? If I was writing like your life story and every little incident that happened, I don't even know where I would go from there because legitimately, as long as we've been friends and we've been friends for well over a decade, I always took you as like a true fan of things in relates to sports, right? Now I'm my realizing, favorite teams I've flipped on. I, I grew up a Niner fan, so and I flipped fickle. on them because it's so funny. Jerry so Rice fickle. left the Niners, and I went to the Raiders with him. Okay, so we had our entire intro page on IHateTheScene.com, which is the most recent podcast we've done together. Is basically about that's the point to the music side of things too. And I'm just going to draw the correlation there right now. Is that we the whole thing with the music as well? Is that the fickle fan base of the scene era is something that sticks out like a sore thumb amongst music fandom? And really, you can point that to any era of music given 90s shit that we grew up on right same thing none of us a lot of us aren't listening to recent new metal although i did listen to the recent corn it still holds up but you know what i'm saying like shit like that so for the sake of you now addressing that you were a fickle sports fan as well and it was all for the sake of the history being made for the sake of the history rather than being the fandom and now let me paint this picture i did i really liked michael jordan growing up i didn't go oh, deep i didn't grow go deep but i would always watch every Bulls 90s games. kid dude but, but I, because of that, played basketball. I, because of that, was on like the sixth and seventh grade basketball team in middle school. I enjoyed basketball, right? Because of Michael Jordan. And like, yeah, I was obviously influenced by it, but I became a fan of like basketball and like played it, right? Same with football. I played flag football all through middle school as well. And like with music, I did the same thing, played guitar, right? Because I was a music fan and that was like an influential part of me. You kind of did that with music as well, right? Uh, and we can probably get to that, but I still have our songs. You just have a very unique, yeah, because you're huge in record keeping. You're like the note keeper or the librarian of. And dude, look at look at the backdrop. Look at how you are. You save all your lanyards, your jerseys. You have like you're a collector of things. You and that's my point. I'm trying to highlight here is you're really into history for whatever reason, and you have that perspective with sports as like a stat. Like you don't care that they're your favorite players, other than the fact that you enjoy the statistic that it's a live history like you're calling it you're not drawn you're not a sports fan like people are sports fans like people are diehard sports fans whether they win or lose you're fickle you just like that it's a sport that you can categorize you can like have history to it you're very you are very virgo related my fandom is still like rooted really young so like it's rooted young but turning, it's for turning weird on the reasons niners, the reasons are weird turning on the niners was watching them go from a super bowl winning team and see steve God. young cry every time he got hit and get concussions we didn't know anything about cte and we called yes. them the 40 whiners yep, yep and then yep, and that. then by the time i dropped out of my mom dropped me out of elementary school that's this another chair was story not comfortable. my mom cussed me uh cussed out one of my teachers and dropped me out of um sixth grade and so i went to um it's a just, charter school. It's interesting. And that teacher was a Raider fan. See, and it's interesting that, like, obviously our parents introduced us to sports and that's what influenced us, right? But you went to the fact that you're just your perspective on the sport rather than being like a fan of the game, learning how to play, evolving, maybe playing it. Yeah, as I, didn't a want, child. I didn't give a fuck about playing it. You were just cr about the story. But I loved NBA Jam. That's a video game, though. Yeah, you like video games. It's you're a huge on. video game fan. No, I know, but that's you're just a huge. That's what you do. You're also a huge video game fan, which that explains that. Cool, marking that off the list. Now, but it's when I was that younger, I did play a, like a little, like in grade school, you would play with your friends and stuff. Basketball was yeah, the only game that you could really play because no one's lining up and playing football. And yeah, but you didn't play a high shit. school or middle school sport. You didn't no, play little league growing no. up. 
my whole middle school experience is like at home too. That's what like fucked me up socially for years was going to a charter school. For those listening, this may bounce back and forth from like a friendly discussion to like some weird therapy to session between the if both of us. If you turn this into a therapy session, I will pour beer all over these microphones. Why would we argue? Because I hate you. Camera's got that, I'm sure. Live record. We love this live history thing. I'm really glad you do too because it's <laughs> shit lives forever. But no, I so mean, do like, screenshots. I yeah, okay. We're following a trend here. Uh, screenshots also what got us here. <laughs> for better. Or for That's worse. not true. The screenshots were after like we ended. That's fair, kind of. People want to twist my own words, but like, it's my own words. Like I said that. Okay. It's just funny. Are you you consider yourself self-aware? Are these real questions I wrote down? I th- yeah, I think I'm self-aware. I know I know when why things or, are good and stupid and bad. And why or how do you justify some of your behaviors? What the fuck does that mean? <laughs> Pretty simple, straightforward question. Remember, Matt, I'm what, a simp. Like, I'm what? a simp, Matt. Do you remember? Very simple over here. What? Why or how do you justify your behaviors in the sense that, like, okay, so we're going into the you're clearly fickle and i think that goes across the board so why do you think that that's a good way to approach (laughs) your behaviors towards like the music world the sports world like you're clearly a voice you're very clearly you can articulate yourself well you're very well thought out you're smart you do know these things you are like a living encyclopedia in a way of like stats and stuff and you are clearly drawn to the storytelling of it all and i think that's where probably the wrestling kicks in but you are drawn into this and that's why you're deep on lyrics and means behind songs and artists so you're drawn into like the historical analytical side of things right yet you choose to just tear what you love apart you fucking grow this beautiful thing of bushes that you love and you're just like oh it's so great on you know the details and it took me this i fucking hate it oh, and you just go through and you fucking shred it up don't and you hate like, when things you love aren't good I mean, but that's life, Matt. And I feel like, and see that, that ties into the dance, Gavin dance thing. Hey folks, that's why we're here. Really? So should the, should the previous podcast have been a life podcast? Cause it was a music and entertainment podcast. No, it was, it was, it was. And it was very driven off of like the analytical part of it. Again, you are good. You were in radio. You painted that history. You were in radio. You are very, and I'm being serious here. I'm not, and that's what, I didn't want it to come out like sounding weird. I really no, hope I want you it were to joking. sound weird and I want it to sound offensive. <laughs> see, you do want us to make it sound like we're fighting. And that's what I mean. Like, I don't know cares they're gonna lie about me anyway so you might as well just fucking yell but that's because i want you to also highlight that you are and this is what i'm gonna do i'm not joking like matt is very professional he worked for the radio station in palm springs which was a fucking crazy radio station matt got me into shows at like two midnight and beyond on the after hours of the palm springs radio station i saw fucking mike jones i fucking saw fucking a shit ton of people we got into fucking suck we got into fucking access at the key club for shows we got into shows around the desert matt was literally at the radio station working his ass off and he wanted to transition into the sports side of things but he for whatever reason was on the music side and it just worked because it fed into like sports side oh okay. and i the little bit i did in the fm world because no one's gonna let me go near a microphone they didn't take my show seriously or any of that shit was like a few times on a west coast hip-hop show that runs only on fridays for about an hour or two of actual speaking. Afro Man came and did the cigarette trick that was and burnt KCLB. his lip. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No, no, no. Oh, the I'm dude talking... who burnt his lip was cocaine. The oh, R&B shit. singer with uh, Snoop Dogg. Yes, He yes. threw the cigarette up and caught it, the lit end, and Ash it was, it was a joint. 
and he took a drag from it and he's like, Did you see that shit? We're like, yeah. And he goes, that shit burned like a motherfucker. <laughs> played it off. Yeah, he played it off like it was cool. He also did cocaine off the soundboard. So he's true to his name. Palm Springs Radio Station, ladies and gentlemen. That's how it went down. Yeah, so Matt, 92, like, that, that whole was, company got rebranded. That was right out of high school. I think we both did like a couple of music classes or whatever. I dropped out of high school for that At job. college. Because the guy I replaced... You had dropped just out of college. Gone to ESPN you LA. dropped out of college for that job, not yes. high school. You graduated. What did high I school. say? You said high school. <clears throat> I dropped out of preschool for that shit. <laughs> I couldn't do recess. I told him I don't play no games. This is not an act either. Like this is a legit, and I'm sure I prefaced that at the beginning of this episode. But this is literally how Matt is constantly. I love it. I mean, I'm glad that we're doing this, dude. Yeah, this is this is great. But this I just yeah, so session. that that's I'm glad the we about that's my I got ash all over me, and I didn't even. You have me, me fucked up with this fickle fandom thing. Yeah, I do. I hope because like I've been, a, I've been my allegiance is to Northern you said California, it, not me. Shut the fuck up! I know what I said. <laughs> so okay, don't be mad. Be mad if I want. That's that self awareness you're so tapped into. Uh, <laughs> I am self aware. I'm self aware that you said that shit, and I'm like, wait a minute. When I did that, I was like, I was a Kings fan. <laughs> Here's the thing. You can be a Kings and a Warriors fan because neither one of those teams has ever been. No, you can't. But neither one of those teams has ever been competitive at the same time. Like, don't. Yeah, you can't say that because you can't be a Yankees and a Mets fan. Get the fuck out of here. If you're a casual sports fan, you can. If you're just like. Then you don't matter and you can't ever discuss (laughs) sports and you can't ever argue and you're not allowed to call into sports radio shows. Like, if you're a fan, I like the A's and the Giants. Well, then shut the fuck up because you just like being in traffic and listening to the radio. If sports radio or fucking morning radio stations were still popular, Matt would be on them every single morning. Greatest joke I ever said on sports radio. Let me hear it, please. It was before they named the Oklahoma City Thunder. Let's go. And my co-hosts, they were talking about Give what they should setting. name it. Give me a it. setting. How did you get on the radio in the first place? What is this? What were you doing at the time? Oh, my God. I was going to community college. Uh, uh, I had a crush on this girl named Janie. I applied to the radio station like once or twice a year. And they would never call back. And this girl, Janie, who like liked me enough, nothing ever happened. She gets she me this. Give you a BJ at the BK Lounge? No, check this out. She Damn. gets me the interview, and I got the job. I got on Street Team. I was on Street Team for like maybe a year. Street Team a was year. a big deal. This is right post shout out. And to it's fucking... really good money for like yeah. for that time. I'm making. I was making and like ten an hour and having fun. And pound of the desert. Like... Pound of the desert. But this is a shout out to fucking Casey in the morning who got <sighs> so who got unfairly terminated from working from the Palm Springs radio in the morning. But he was, he is what Did got he people get shit on from K rock. He is. Yeah. He is what people, he is the reason people tuned into Palm Springs radio and why that was even a popular thing. Largely. It wasn't, be- it wasn't me. Largely because of him. I mean, we did have really good sports broadcasting. Obviously no, we were no, syndicated. Yeah. yeah, we were, cause we were syndicated. Dude, it was me and a 68 year old man. Anyways, back to the funniest thing you ever said. That is a cat. That's also here. Shut the-, <laughs> At the studio. Oh yeah, we're gonna have to kill that thing. We're gonna have to kill that cat. Oh no! <laughs> the funniest thing I ever said on radio was before they named the Oklahoma City Thunder, and I don't know what the suggested names were, if they even had a contest about it. But my co-host brought it up, and I don't know why he was cool with me saying this on the radio, but he didn't. He didn't like bat an eyelash at all, and so he said, "What would you name them?" And I said, "Well, what about the Oklahoma City Bombers?" <laughs> 
and it was just like an awkward pause. He didn't like transition or set me up for anything. And I was like, fuck, man, you just let me die here because it's radio. It's AM radio. Like they can't hear you. Like I had no idea anyone was going to hear me when I started that job. And I started talking in the microphone and then the phone rang and I was like, holy shit. Like, cause, like I, I didn't even listen to AM radio until I worked it, and then I was obsessed with AM radio. It's a very clear, uh, like, issue that you wouldn't maybe want to repeat, and yet I feel like that's <laughs> the behaviors you did repeat that got you into what you eventually ended up doing. I didn't get fired for that. No, I know you didn't. No, I know. I said a lot of shit on there. I know. I know. It was not that. I, I know. It's just weird that you didn't learn from your mistakes is what I'm saying. <laughs> Oh, for the recent shit? You just lean into it, whatever it is. You just lean into controversy. That's all that's all the thing. You're controversial. Okay, so controversy's fun. I'm not gonna lie. It's fun and I personally don't give a fuck about my my personal status. Like I'd like to make some money at this shit. Is that safe to say? Do you no, no, no. I do care. I, I want you to like not think I'm some fucking like monster or idiot or something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. Like I definitely like. That's why we're doing this Oprah Winfrey tell all, anyways. I want you to, you know, Nirvana, come as you are. I want you to, you know, know me, take oh, me as I and am. And if you're like, gonna come, come hard. Yeah, always come hard, right in her face. I'm transparent as shit on this microphone since, like, in in our last podcast, that was, like, one of the policies is transparency, like, speak openly, like, don't lie about shit. Factual. And we stayed true to that, and I I don't think there's a lot of podcasts that will, but I don't come on here and try to be something I'm not, and I'm gonna fucking kill that cat live on here and get PETA (laughs) to fucking get mad at me, and you're gonna see how real I am. I would not be mad at that whatsoever. Here, hit this. Um, I'm gonna hit this cat. I mean, I'm gonna gonna finish this. I'm gonna finish this. Um, and you know, I do capture. Oh man, I, this is. A... This is just my whole life is falling apart, right? I can't fucking. I was seconds away from saying this is why I don't edit on the podcast because uh, shit is. It's all just over, man. Downhill. I knew my life wouldn't be oh, shit when I ended no. the podcast. <laughs> I'm just sitting here playing video games. I don't do anything, man. I'm fucking. Oh my god. Oh, not, not. All right, we're we're having fun, folks. We are. Uh, I said this would be fun. You ever think you're two months? <laughs> question I had. Did you say two months pregnant? What the fuck did you just say? <laughs> do you ever think you're too much? Yeah. Okay. Cool. I knew Thanks. I was too much on Twitter, and I tried to get away from it, and people shit talk and drag me back in, and Twitter's vile. It's also crazy, too, because as soon as I made Twitter go away, it's not like there were people on Instagram or YouTube or Facebook that were saying mean things about me. It kind of only existed from, like, a certain group. That is it factual. made me feel like high Our school. Our Instagram is like, untouched. Yeah, no, it's it's pristine. But yeah. it also made me feel like that's the group in high school that, like, well, no one likes them anyways. And so, like, that's why they so the, hate everyone else. The thing with Twitter is... But I, am I no better than them? And I should just end the podcast so and go listen, home. The thing with Twitter, and I, they're talking about this on a recent Rogan podcast, and just oh, in general... No, in general, like, Twitter is where people go to only post their like opinions they're emotional based that is the most emotional based app there is in terms of like where people go for that shit people go to twitter 
for the sake of getting involved in controversial conversations, hot takes. They love the fact that what's something that they like or that they share could get retweeted and become viral or get shared in a meme because the sake of saying something witty on Twitter is a meme. What sucks is that people get involved in that on an emotional level. And that's just, I mean, let's call it what it is. It did get to the point for on our podcast, I Hate the Scene, that maybe the other behaviors in your life, the ability to like fucking go at people and going good, you're fucking great at it, and the ability to I like, like to argue get and I'm away good with at shit it. and the controversy, like you already kind of lean into that, but then Twitter got involved and it was just fucking. Twitter's a good platform for all of that shit, and it's a great platform for like the fucking toxicity. Shit. Yeah, the shit. And the scene can't exist without toxicity. True. If you took away every abusive band that, you Unfortunately, know, that's true. dropping off the planet for, like, fucking fans and shit, like, there's less and less of the... Yeah, yeah. And it's unfortunate that, like, so I wrote, I mean, God, we can just fucking tie the bow on the scene. We're going to be done talking about that in terms of, like... Yeah, that's music. a great thing. I don't need to care about these bands anymore. Let me ask you this. What, um... It feels like I'm going to a whole different school. Fair. That's a fair quote. Like, I mean... Like, if you want to still be, like, immature and talk about high school shit, it's like, well, mom pulled me out. I'm going to new school now. I I wrote down state of the scene, question mark, but I didn't want to fucking... I just mean that in general. What, what I said? No, what is the state of the scene in general, the music That's the name of a different podcast. Came... I wasn't trying to allude to that. It was supposed to be, like, an inside thing, but I get Oh, well, it. fuck yeah. them. I, yes, true. True to that, too. My point now being... it's out there. Yeah. My point being is what is the actual state of that music scene that we come from, that the whole... I hate the scene podcast was based off of like what is that look like and it sucks that a lot of it does have to do with gross allegations accusations and just downright like childish behavior but we also like to point out that the fan base can be toxic and corrosive so overall what do you think is the issue there and why will it either continue to be an issue or do you see it changing it's young fans it's okay. like That's a good that music just appeals to young fans and and I want to be able to look at it and say like the scene or that underground um that that circuit of venues that always has a scene bands or that style of music or that blend you're of 500 streaming, in under max yeah whatever you are whatever you're playing you know that that type of shit that it's always going to be a good jump off platform for rock bands and i can't honestly say that it is or it has because rock music in general i think is harder to break through to a mainstream you kind of just like hit a plateau and then you're just there and a lot of these bands, True. it's just young fans. Like, even now, the Red Jumpsuit Apparatus is an old band. There's still young fans going, like, discovering that or discovering Bayside. And it, it just it appeals to younger people. Whereas when I go on tour, it's a completely different genre. And it's a more mature crowd. And I get to enjoy things about that. Like, if you were to, you know, socialize with anyone... Or like, what are you laughing at? Just the event. Keep, can, keep going. Keep going. Keep going. It's good. No, 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 I like it. I just, I, it's, it's all fucking kids. How fun is it when you're at a show and it's yeah. all kids listening to a band? It's like, yeah. if I thought this band, like, if I go see Mood Ring, I yes. think that band's dope yes, as yes, shit. Yes, yes. If I go to their show and it's a bunch of kids, I'm gonna be like, fuck, like, bummed out. Yeah. Like, but what I mean, do I? What am I supposed to do? Like, I kind of wanted to like, you know, get some content or talk to the band, but like, I don't want to be a fan talking to the band. And then you're just there in a sea of kids with your arms crossed in the back of the venue. 
Wow, you got real deep there. I mean... It's not fun. It's like, I realized that years ago, dude, but like the first time it ever happened, I want to say it was my homeboy Jeffrey's old band, Capture the Crown. I did not give a shit about them. And while they were playing, the whole venue was jumping Jeffrey, up. And, the yeah, shout out Jeffrey, the homie. Shout out Jeffrey. Shout out to Jeffrey and Australia and all that. And the whole venue was jumping up and down for them, and I'm just standing there like... What? I'm not into it anymore. Like, yeah, I, I just, of all, like, I, I understand all these bands. I've heard all these songs, but I just didn't give a shit about them. They're playing. Everyone's going crazy. And I'm like, I just don't get it. Do you think I'm, left, I'm access... for sure too old now. So keep in mind, Matt started what was originally Scene Radio back in 2008, right out of, like, the college radio station days. And so what do you think, what do you think? changed ultimately between the i mean i know it changed we grew up but what about i guess the scene in general made you cling to it because you didn't really get introduced to it until 2007 i didn't have my scene phase in high school you didn't well you did but it was like oh no you didn't because yeah we graduated already 2007 was when you saw the time like you bought that atreyu greatest hits and like force fed it to me you bought it I bought the Death Grip on yesterday, and then they did the greatest hits. Is, oh, I thought you bought that. That's when we got real deep. No, because that was one of the first things you got. You were like, oh, this is like... Yeah, I like to tray you, and I had a yeah. t-shirt for a tray. It was one of the first shirts I got rid of. Too. I think you bought the best of and got the t-shirt with it. I think that was the thing. And all they had on there is the bonus song was the stupid song that they did, Bleed It in Black, the stupid song that they did for uh, Underworld. And that was a contract obligation. And you found that out, and we're like, oh, this is fucking crazy. And we had always kind of been on like... Uh, obviously, we talk about Boxton slums. We and you're a fanatic slums for history. Yeah, Dude, it doesn't work anymore. You're a fanatic of history, so obviously you're into the backdrop of like music in general. So you're always kind of stuck to that side of things. So when you got introduced to the scene and how easy it was to access, like you do go to these small venues and you talk to your fucking favorite bands after the show and. Obviously, we're in high school. We're going to local shows. A couple of my good friends were, you know, through shows all throughout our high school years. That's what we did. We were able to break away from having to hang out with the family and we were growing up. And so we were tied to it so deeply. And you're on your phone. It's fucking great. What I'm trying doing? to get slums of boxing to work, oh, and it doesn't shit. work anymore, dude. So that okay, but that same thing. That I was, same dude. I've been on there passion, since AOL. That same passion of wanting to be tied into the know and have the history. You saw access to that because the scene is very easy to uh, infiltrate. Any type of hobby or or activity, whatever it is that I have, I don't just like casually like something. Yeah, you go deep. I usually go like too far. Like the remember remember the Hollywood Undead phase. Oh yeah, that was that was a pretty gross time. That's why I have that ugly mask and yeah. But what's funny about shit. that is you're already a diehard music fanatic as it is, and you just you tend to maybe a couple every so often lean real hard into like a certain band or an artist. <laughs> but you know, another reason why we might be here, uh, you know, leaning into an artist and then and just having your dreams crushed by them and then realizing that they're assholes. But it's okay. Uh, but yeah, don't being, meet your idols. You got the access real early, like right out of high school. You had a job at the radio station. You knew what it took to get involved and get behind the scenes. You got into it, and then once you got into it, like anything you just said, you go real deep into it. And so there was something about that that kept you in for so long, from two thousand and eight, fourteen years. It's twenty twenty two now, right? What about it kept you so? I always thought the scene or those scene bands, the shit that was coming out of there. I always thought that was like the future, like combining all those genres, and I thought it was cutting edge. And 
And that 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 lasted for about two or three years. 2007 to 2010? About, 11? yeah, 7, 8, seven 9. To 7 to 12. About 2009, I realized that not every band was cool. And about 2010, 2011, I realized that all the new bands were fucking whack. And a lot of those bands we're that were coming out. 24 at that time. Yeah, yeah and too. so, like, getting into gent music and all that heavy shit. Like, trust me, I got burned out of all of that. Yeah. And it's not like I was some, like, metalhead at heart that came up no, listening to Metallica. you weren't. Rap, rap. All the way. Yeah. The only reason that I have my in-depth knowledge in hip-hop and rap is because of Matt and vice versa for the scene in the middle is because I took Matt to his first metal show and Matt introduced me into like true hip-hop shit in high school real early on. You, uh, you guys quizzed me one time on, um, Velvet Revolver, what two bands made Velvet Revolver. And I was like, oh, STP and Guns N' Roses. And I should not have known that. And it was like, I think I blew your mind or Nick's mind or something. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, old school. Yeah. yeah. I remember shit like that. Out of all the weed I've smoked, I remember that shit. I mean, that's true. I mean, those are also... I remember a lot of shit from, like, the high school days, too. I remember a lot of that. I remember fucking writing... Or le- one of the first real songs I learned on guitar was fucking Eye of the Tiger, and fucking Nick learned it on bass, and we recorded it in Matt's bedroom I think I on that. the Acid program, which... Mm-hmm. Acid 3.0. We fucking learned how to record, and we had, like, a cjb.net, did we not? I remember yep, having a cjb.net, and we had put little clips on there. Matt, real early on, was doing the podcast off of Facebook, so instead of having the music tracks up in the top five, he would have the interviews we did with bands oh yeah 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 so we that's old school Matt is been, old, old school. we were definitely like look it's no claim to fame there's no money made off it there's nothing no clout to be to be had off it there it should be but there i know i know i was the first scene earned. podcast like we were de- like scene radio predates state of the scene Je- uh, brian stars all that shit like we and it should be up there in terms of like reasons that the scene got what it got like you were there when you realized that fucking the dudes in glass cloud were making bank and fucking buying lexuses and shit and like you do have several <laughs> johnny craig interviews that not a lot of people got you know you do have the fucking you've got this stupid fucking scene tv footage that was during just a weird time for scene radio in general uh but uh, drugs yeah you drugs, know, man. there's a lot of weird like just anomalies there that even though yeah we weren't like some fucking national touring publication that fucking was at every show and every big thing we were still able to like take a little a niche a niche whatever you want to say it proves that i've been in this oh, specific yeah. scene for over 15 years and a professional because you do you have for the things. most part you have built things from it I'm not going to say doxing people is the most professional we thing all to do, learn. but some people... We all learn. You know? We all learn. You come from a background where you know how to fucking be behind a mixer and you know how to do shit, you know? That's what I meant by professional. You do... It's not like you're an idiot. Oh, and every you time I, to... I, I get on a microphone, I want it to be professional. I yes. I would never want to oh, come yes. on here... That is true. And, and, ...and it sound like shit. Like, we already fucked up the video over here. Sorry. Does, is it uh, working? No? I mean, now, but you have uh, 32 minutes out of however long we've been talking here, so... We're good. I anticipated for that. Mm. But it's not like we're going to come on here and sound like Demo Team or some shitty sh- podcast that like has no good quality. You know, I wouldn't do that. And all the like jokes and like I knew if I was going to talk shit or say anything controversial that at the very least we had to be professional because right. then it's like, well, who the fuck cares? Like when I when I went on there and said like shit I knew no one else knew and mm-hmm. I couldn't prove besides like no the guy told me yeah. from his mouth word of mouth word of I mouth was from there. the source like, i was there yeah and and people are on the internet are just oh yeah your source is trust me bro and it's like well it kind of is 
It is. And like 124, 124 episodes worth of trust me, bro, because there's yeah. no lie told in the podcast. Yeah. And like, I wouldn't, I, if, if we had a shitty podcast. And a lot of the stories have been fucking cooperated or not cooperated. That's like, if you're like, no, that was, that did happen. But no, there's been stories that have been fucking validated through third parties, like guests that we've had on. Like it's I not... wouldn't have been able to walk away from I Hate the Scene if I didn't feel like the 124 episodes that we have on YouTube are quality. Like even there, we have a we have a playlist that says shit shows. Even our worst episodes are great because oh, we yeah. know it's going off the rails and yeah. we just yeah. let it. Yeah. Like I, that show was, and and me in general, and I think our chemistry in general on a podcast, I think is destined for greatness because okay. we we're not going to be faced with a situation where it's like we don't know what to say, we're stuck. And I think I'll tell you, for me, that stems from high school. And being bullied and 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 being being shit talked and not having that comeback, not being able to be that B rabbit on the spot and fire back something at him. So see you. So I, now I have to. I'm witty as fuck out of defense from that. So see, I realized early on, kind of like how you and me became friends. But I realized early on that as long as I could communicate and like be on the same page as someone in something i got a lot of laughs when it doesn't matter i told a substitute teacher it doesn't matter what your name is in like the seventh grade and a lot of kids laughed right and then all the oh i can make kids laugh that'll be like a cool thing and that's kind of how yeah, i got through, really sure. into music you know and like there were certain but i never like was just uh i was never solely like the music nerd right like or whatever I'm calling people nerds but you know what i mean like I, was I don't always, think nerd is a slur. You can get away with that. And as you get older and as you learn like what being cool is or you learn what like being like hip and trendy and like as you develop character and you try to not let your parents dress you when you're 15, right? What do you do? You lean into the things that get you like attention and are cool. So I learned real early on that if you were knowledgeable in a lot of things or could at least talk about things at a surface level, it went to your advantage, right? And then honestly, I kind of in the same way in terms of like intrigue, I did play a lot of sports growing up. I loved being active. I still am. In terms of music, I've always loved music or being creative with it in some degree. I still fucking play my guitar. We have a piano at home. Like, I still listen to music every day. Like, there's it's such a huge part of my life. Same with sports. So there was that attachment as well, right? Which is why I was kind of drawn the comparison with you and how you're drawn to things from like a historical perspective and you know the the telling of a story. I definitely like nostalgia. The thing with now. wrestling, wrestling, I get drawn to my emotions with wrestling. I go back oh, to that yeah. time in my life and in high school, and you're making friends, and how a lot of my friends revolved around music, wrestling and fucking sports and like or whatever was going on and and you know that you were there and that's what for me it's like i had to i had to make sure that there was some sort of reason that it maintained such a integral part of my life right where you went with it to the degree and i was putting the shades on you went to the degree where it did become become your life in like a way and that's not to say that that's not to say that it's for like a bad thing right but it's just there deserves to be an, a note of that. There deserves to be recognition of that. And there deserves to be at least some attention put on that, like, you have paid your dues and you've put in a lot of work. And not just for I Hate the Scene and what that was and how long that ran and the professionalism that was behind that, but also how you approached scene radio, how you approached being put in that perspective, how you approach your your careers now. You have a couple of them, but one of them is a tour driver. You do drive for bands and you are in the industry very much so, right? Not to mention the podcast and the content world. And so there's still... Full time if my chick leaves me. There's still a part of it that allows you... Oh, and I have that on here. 
here, but also an interim father figure. And so <laughs> there's, Shut the fuck up. <laughs> there still has to be something that, you know, resonates with you being grounded and being like an actual adult. Right. And it sucks that you do draw the comparisons of the scene and the age group that's involved with it. And a lot of that does carry over into where we're at now. And like, obviously, you know, we, we, we know that the scene is a, a topic or trendy it's a and that we can place do it. that only exists in 2007 brian yeah that could yeah. be true that could be the point though right is like maybe we're still connected there in some weird way <laughs> and maybe there's this weird need to like draw the two because we are so you know we are so involved in the radio content side of things we are so also are so involved in the music I do listen and, to a lot of podcasts and now the podcasting thing and like there's just there's certain things that still draw us to this and it sucks whenever something like this ends and it's clear that I hate the scene and that aspect of you in that world are coming to an end to whatever degrees there are and that's not to say that there's not going to be anything in the future but that's also to say that like I think you're ready for a change so with all that being said how does it feel that you know there's a change happening and do you see yourself being involved in any way with the scene and if so how much or have you even thought about all that i don't feel more inclined to go see august burns red than i did last year what if they do a whole christmas 12 days of christmas tour again i don't care about it. <laughs> i might go see like trans-siberian <laughs> orchestra for christmas that sounds cool that sounds disgusting but anyways i haven't seen them and they have a lot of pyro and it's not like i'm gonna go see rammstein fuck fucking thousand dollar tickets um, I mean, you're still in the music industry, right? Look, so like, what, about... what I just said, like, about standing in the back of the venue is, like, I felt that way for a while. So it's like, I and plus, on top of touring, I've got the free show. I've, I've, I've gotten the free show, and, and I've gotten to see a lot of cool shit, and you eventually just get burned out of it. And so at this point, it would, like, I told you the only show I really wanted to see was that Conway show. Like, I'm tempted to go see that, but I'm, I don't feel like going to see some screamy band. You know, and and if it was the undertaking, I want to see those dudes. I want to go support them. I'd want to go and like buy some merch. Yeah, and something like that. You know, there was a lot of the cool thing about the podcast is it kept me in the scene, which was the goal in two thousand eight when I got fired from radio. That I took this way of getting free CDs from emails that I had and being able to have the radio station name attached to it and say hey i need this for buffer music like i got rise records i got victory i got uh fearless uh what was the other all one? the Ferret. staples all the staples Tra- all the staples tragic yeah. hero yeah tragic hero I, I got all these people to like send me physical copies of cds because i learned that everyone else in the station had this happening and and even though we were a sports radio station i could say it was buffer music and they would give me anything i wanted and it's long changed no one does That's this facts. no one sends out physical copies like back in the day yep. i had like my boss at the time the guy I told you that wanted to beat up a homeless guy. Yep. He had a shelf full of CDs that were all free. Most of them were still wrapped up. And they all had either a mark or a drill through the barcode. Because that's what you would do with promotional copies. Mm-hmm. If you go through the shoeboxes in, in that closet, you'll find a bunch of CDs with the holes drilled through yeah, them. Yeah, they got the razor or, cut. or the razor blade on the side. Yeah, I have a lot of shit like that. Deftone Saturday Night Wrist is like that. Uh, and so it gave you access, obviously, and it gave you this like behind the scene little. I started going to rap concerts first. The yeah. first time I had to get content from an artist was going up to the boot camp click, like before Sean Price died. R.I.P. 
But R.I.P. Yeah, having to walk up to those guys and not know their fucking names. Like they are, they're like synonymous with, I think that's the right word. They're like the opposite. Like they, they ran in New York the same time as Wu-Tang. They're another like big East Coast rap group at the same era as Wu-Tang Clan. And I didn't listen to any of that growing up. And so I had to get into like Helta Skelta and the Coco Brothers and like listen to uh, Duck Down and all this shit. And it was dope, and I had to ask those guys for content and ask rappers, and that was really nerve-wracking. And then working in radio and having to talk to, like, athletes, like, the only in-person interview we did was Antonio Cromartie. And I was, not only are they, like, larger than life, and the dude's coming off, like, an 11-interception season, but he's, like, tall as fuck, he's larger than life. And he, like, Legitimately. He, he came off the practice field, number 31, he's, like, let me change. He changed into some fly-ass, like, Cartier uh, fucking, like, uh, what's that pink shit? That pink and uh, yellow, whatever, canary, whatever. He comes out in that, and he's got this big-ass Scarface chain with okay. the globe that says the world yeah. is yours. I'm, yeah. like, oh, my God. I was, like, yeah, I'm supposed to throw a football to him, and they're going to take a picture of it. And I can throw a football. I'm a fucking grown man. I cannot throw a football to this man. I, I, it was not. It was oh, no. not going right. Oh, and no. I'm like, why today? Why? It's like trying to fuck the hottest chick in your school. It's like trying to impotent. get the cat to leave and the fucking. Yeah, and the shit falls down. No, that's just good content. But it's like it's like just not being able to get a boner, and you're trying to fuck. And I'm like trying to throw this man yes, the football, and yes. so they're like, "Hey, let me try to throw it." And I'm like, "Yeah, just take this from me. I need to go cry in the van." <laughs> and and afterwards, I I told him, "Well, hey, uh, I'm not supposed to throw it to him anyways. He's a D back." That's great. That is a fucking great joke. Yeah, and that was all I had to live off of for that car ride home. I mean, but that's an actual. That was like, so sketch. That magazine never came out. Think about that. How the fuck did we have that good of access and that magazine never came out with a single fucking episode or, or volume well, that's ever? Just, that's the, also the real side of like the industry. He too, had is like a seven-page interview with Mario Lemieux. Yeah. Well, that's just it, dude. The industry is money, right? And like that's what sucks. Anybody – how many – okay. People are drove by that casino on the way home, uh, Morongo, and he, he had to stop there to stick a credit card in to get – cash and pay us because he was going through something and then we had to swear that we wouldn't tell his wife who i had never met oh wow wow yeah that's real too shady i mean i would be involved too that's journalism but that was that was in that's between great. getting fired it. from radio trying to stay in the sports industry and being like you know what scene radio is a way better idea than this and that's how it happened from those okay. emails i had and just having the idea of like the podcast and liking, I was like, you took me to that concert, and I was like, how could I keep doing this? Yeah. Because how can I keep time, getting the access and getting at the, the time? Shit? I wasn't, I wasn't making any any sort of like good money at all. The radio station was like paying like shit after a while and not giving me anything more. And it, the podcast was fun. I was able to like manage bands for a while, make some money at that. And it kept me going to shows for free. It kept CDs coming in the mail. It kept bands, checks coming in the mail. 
Yep. And that was a that was a really fun time. I even got to like rip off unemployment for a while. I had to pay back the state. That was cool. <laughs> they tracked me down like across the country, dude. Yeah, they, they will the always get theirs. Does not give a fuck. They will always get theirs. That should be a public service announcement for all of yeah, you. Yeah, pay listening. your taxes. Don't fuck around. And pay if like your parents do your, your taxes, like taxes. do them on your own because they're lying and taking your money. All you OnlyFans workers out there, make sure that you're fucking documenting that. I'm gonna start a new a new service called Only Stands. Only Stands, yes. And it's just gonna be people who stand artists. You can go on there and see their cringy ass tweets, but you gotta pay a premium with your fucking soul. Do you think you're a narcissist? No, because I don't know what that is. <laughs> okay, that answers that question. <laughs> asshole think you're gonna come on here and rogan me i'm not roganing you i'm just trying to fucking give you your little stage dude i love it um no dude i you know and i want this to also be noted that your uh history is very real and it is real yeah okay you got one let me hear it <laughs> I don't have anything on Israel. It's right there. You said it. I, I just thought you said Israel. <laughs> yeah, I did. Clearly. Not as triggering as the word Palestine, but. You heard it here first, folks. You heard it here. The Palestine. You got to be careful of the jokes you tell on the internet because some people will take them out of context and run with them. You gotta be careful about what you say to anybody on the internet in any form, direct messages included. Do you remember when I had a MySpace? Um, when MySpace was cool, you yeah, had a MySpace. Course, everyone yeah, had a MySpace. Yeah. I was gonna say like what specific time? Oh, probably all like the toxic <laughs> shit we did on MySpace. All the stuff that you're not supposed to do today, like all that dick pic culture, I think stemmed from MySpace. And I think everyone's True. everyone's guilty of that. Like we would all get canceled if there were screenshots from the MySpace days. That's a fact. Yeah, that's true. So <clears throat> it's just crazy how far. That's we've crazy come. that that's you know I was talking to a friend of ours the other day, or actually earlier today, and he mentioned that he was like, "You only got me too back in high school," and I was like, "No, you didn't." I was like, "Me too didn't exist," and I was like, "You got." whatever the equivalent of that back in high school was. And it was like just some weird interaction that he had had with a girl and like got, in yeah, high school. Yeah, got your shit exposed online. No, 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 no. It was in high school and like a teacher was like, oh, we heard this. And it was, it was just like a he says, she says kind of thing, right? My point being is he he equated it in 2022 to being Me too in 2005. And I yeah. was like, no, you weren't. Me too wasn't a thing because it wasn't. Me too wasn't this reactionary thing that people all of a sudden got canceled from like back, you know, in 2005 because society or culture as a whole perceived things differently. And now in this 2022 tw age of Twitter, it's real quick for everybody to go to screenshot accusation equals reality when that's not necessarily the case, right? And we know that firsthand. And I think that it's safe to say that with that being the formula that people go to for cancellation. Right? Which we never used. No, never. Never, never, never. We had a Not whole us. episode that Not was a, a screenshot conversation with someone, and we didn't, we never take things out of As context. an example, yes, as an example of how people manipulate and do this on the internet, and that's the thing specifically with Twitter. Twitter is the place people go to to get some sort of, like, uh, pitchfork party going. We're going to fucking go and we're going to, ah, like virtual rioting. It's really weird. Or virtual protesting. It's real weird. There's a, when this started happening and there was, yeah, fuck, it's whatever. I'll oh have the maid pick it up. There was, there was a lot of people talking shit to our account, uh, about, you know, me and 
different screenshots that were out there yeah. and trying to say shit. And the thing I noticed about a lot of them is like they too are just trying to like be in a group oh, yeah. and belong to something. Yeah. So like it could be a number of things like point. of why they would come after me because it's not it's ultimately not what's in the screenshots or what's said. It's ultimately I talked about their favorite band mm-hmm. or one of the episodes I posted a lot of cringy tweets and I never thought that that would impact people the way it would, but oh, I guess being yeah. put on blast and shitted on, on a podcast that I thought no one watched and it didn't matter to, because that's what you're told. And I only checked so many hate. numbers. You checked yeah. analytics recently that were way higher than what I ever looked at. And I only looked at YouTube. You got and, stuck in Twitter. Twitter for sure. Yeah, Twitter yeah. space. Twitter's mm-hmm. not a real place. As soon as I left it, it's like, wow, no one calls me names when I log off of here. So that's crazy. Yeah, dude, that's something that I didn't think maybe you hear about that a lot actually on Rogan. I blame myself. Yeah. I brought yeah. I brought like all that. I brought all that to the doorstep of the podcast. And I told you and Jordan that I felt really bad if it like sure. tainted your guys' image or look or fun with the podcast because like it got to a point where I couldn't stop the backlash. I couldn't I couldn't just not retaliate. True. If someone said also some true. shit or also was true. tweeting or defend yourself anyway. Especially like lying. That's why you told me you're like, you just have to get off of Twitter. Yeah. And I'm like, getting off looks guilty as fuck. It looks it like I'm like admitting no. defeat on a bunch of things. You, not in that not in that setting because people know how Twitter are. And that's just it. They go after this weird, oh well, there's already this accusation. Oh, here's screenshots, but screenshots are out of context. Screenshots in themselves are snippets of how you've, people chose to communicate. You've known me it since in no junior way, year of quick, high school. Real quick, real quick. It in no way conveys anything intent. And we had a relationship humor, in PE class okay anyways the screenshots don't convey the tone of the text or the conversation through text in general let alone do text communication in any way shape or form convey nuance to a general discussion where like me and matt may be joking and so i know what matt means by a certain message he may send me and i know that that's a joking i would never tell that jew joke on the podcast doing that with someone who is maybe not always so close with you it could come off weird particularly with us that's what happened and for this situation in general you can't expect anybody in these types of environments to be right and or wrong because all they're meant to do is to create chaos and like tweets, retweets, likes, shares, all that. That's all that this arguing and this fucking noise that people are making via Twitter is meant to do. And there's no winning in that. And so what I didn't want you to do, and I understood your justification for wanting to defend yourself. You do have the right to do that and you should. But for your own mental health and for your own well-being, I was like, hey man, there's no victory. There's no way that it's going to have an end result. You just need to say your piece and get out of there. It's like you're staying in. There's no winner. Nobody's hands getting raised at the end of this. Just fucking go away. Like just, and that was what I was trying to convey with you. So I wasn't trying to just have you go away. I was trying to have you say your piece and defend yourself. And I'm glad you did. And I'm glad you did the way you did it. And I'm glad we did that episode too, because I felt like it was a way for us to, anybody that watches that knows what's going on. Okay. Anybody that's come to us post or pre situation 
has said, hey, this is fucking ridiculous and has sided with us, all the people that are trying to fucking come at you have gotten six retweets. And y'all need to realize that. And with that being oh, said... No, some of them have 23 or 26. Okay. All right. With that being said, uh, those numbers in they all have the real world... in their account. Don't, yeah, they don't matter. And it's a very, very weird... Part. You told me it. I said tw- a Twitter hates me and they're calling me names. You said yeah, but it's less than a hundred people, yeah. and it made me think. So when it's a hundred and one, do I call you? <laughs> when do Ryan, I start stressing? What's the threshold? How it's one hundred and twenty-two right now. This bitch's fucking tweet of me got thirty replies. What do I do? How much more can I take? Look, the fact of the matter is, I'm a funny dude. You are, dude. You and are. And I, I say some awful shit to you, and I've said some awful shit to you since high school. What does that say? Real I Matt can't, being... I can't read cursive. Okay. It's not in cursive. Anyways. Oh, so, I, I have, have two quotes. This is an actual quote people have told me in wake of a lot oh of these situations. And we're probably... I didn't mean to, man. Nothing matters. We're probably beyond the... Um, I'm put this on so you can't see me cry. Perfect. We're probably on the putting a bow on it for the I hate the scene thing and what's gone on there. But with the several people have gone to me and go and have said, I know what Matt's like behind closed doors. This shouldn't be an issue and this shouldn't be happening. And what I think people mean by that is that, yes, you are funny. You are outlandish, you know, and that's exactly what was happening from our perspective. People were giving you a natural response to that and unfortunately it was a response that was with some just information that was poorly put together which are the screenshots and them coming at you with stupid shit and what sucks is any other situation like that minus the accusations and screenshot formula we're talking about you would win and you would trump right they just did this fake formula that people do on twitter and for whatever reason, it painted this weird light with you. But in reality, like you do go hard. You are very like brash, funny, comical. You've already said some outlandish shit on here. And this isn't even 100% Matt, right? Like, oh, I yeah, think no, people not, expect yeah. maybe to lean into that, right? For the sake of content and like a career and a job and a path and like a life rather than maybe trying to lean into like the historic stuff that you're into with I hate the scene stuff. You know, or maybe that's the comparison that I'm drawing now because you're on the other side of I hate the scene and you're done and we're not doing it anymore or whatever, but... You know um, what it is, Brian? You know, I do think you need to lean into the real Matt, to the Matt that does like to talk shit and does like to be... But again, you're going to also learn, have to learn to not concern yourself with Twitter followers and things like that. Yeah, I only care about numbers on social media when it comes to a brand. I meant to say that earlier. I don't care about Matt Musselwhite having, you know, thousands of followers. I care about whatever my brand is. You know, if I'm selling empanadas, then I want that to be, like, number one. The business. That's the business. Yeah, you know, whatever it is. You know, if I'm going to go make a mixtape, I'm going to change my Twitter to that. and And I want it to be... I want that brand to build up. My personal, I like it better on Facebook and social media when it's more tighter knit. It's people I actually know that I'm joking to. So maybe I could say something that's not going to get taken out of context. But it's also popping up. People you may know are actually people. Like my Facebook used to be accurate. And and it's long gone. It hasn't been like that from going overboard, trying to spread this brand and adding random people and then sending them an invite on Facebook, which is annoying. People hate that. But 
Yeah. We've been, I've been in the scene for 15 fucking years, and I for sure have a reputation. Yeah. yeah and yeah, if yeah. you ask anyone, like, the meanest thing that someone's going to say about me is that, like, I'm an asshole or a dick or I yeah. said something. Yeah. Like, there's nothing that I've done to harm anyone sure. that someone's going to have accounts of or complain about. Like, I've just existed over here trying to do my own thing in one way or another, whether it's an interview or when I used to be in a band or when I tried to get, you know fucking myspace records to pay attention to my rap songs whatever it is right like that's my game on social media the attention seeking is all for that shit the scene in general has this toxicity to it and i've, I've been here i've seen it when when i went through the hollywood undead phase the whole thing with their singer that got kicked out uh after he signed that mask and everything yep. his whole thing was like he liked 17 year olds and, and, like, my introduction to the word scene kid was kind of through them. And the word, like, scene kick, referring to your sidekick, and realizing, oh, this is a whole subculture. These people are cool as fuck. L.A. is cool as fuck. Hollywood's cool as fuck. But really, all that shit is toxic as fuck. And that's what sucked me in. But that dude, specifically, he always used to, like, have a thing for 17-year-olds. I'm going to hold you. All right. Get the fucking beer out of here, that's for sure. Are we recording on there? Mm-hmm. Apologize, folks. I got sick. I never had anyone back out and throw up like that before. I mean, you were just talking about 17-year-olds and weird shit, so... It wasn't weird shit <coughs> because we've been in this scene, Ooh. dude. Like, yeah. The dude from Hollywood Undead had a thing for 17-year-olds. We later get told by one of our favorite bands at the time in the metalcore world that Chiodo's vocalist Craig Owens is into that and that he 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 got with one of their underage sisters that something happened we're like fuck like Chiodo's and so that's when it started that there was always these underage girl jokes with scene bands I've been saying this shit forever so like the whole exposing them wasn't really shocking or new to me I never wanted the podcast to fall into that but I feel like we've been privy to it for so long. And what's also gross is it wasn't surprising to us when we're 20, 21 and it's happening because a lot of these guys are the same age. And let's be honest, like that kind of high school, a couple years after, all that shit kind of blurs in together, right? It's real gross when now that we're 34 and we're seeing it. And so, Or the, the fact that, like what I said, like my biggest issue is manipulating young girls. And, and and preying on them or, or if you have a platform yeah. and you're using your band or like if I found out something about you that you were diddling little boys and you were using the podcast to like get your way into Wiggles concerts and find <laughs> like, yeah, I'd be pretty fucking pissed about it because it's like not only did I know that person and he betrayed me, but it's like you abused it. You ab- Yeah, we fucking bought your CD. We bought into yeah. the hype. We bought into who we thought you were and, and it sucks and I... I made the mistake of thinking that people would want to know that the people you're supporting are shitty people. In general. It doesn't just have to be the underage thing either. It can be... We see people get accused of of allegations. It's like rape. People just being shitty people in general. Like... It's just a very Shitty, controlling, manipulative. It sucks when you look behind the veil. Can you believe that band didn't pay me? Like any anything like that. But it's not something I ran and made a podcast to talk about. Yeah. Otherwise, I Hate the Scene would have been rebooted as a podcast in 2015 when I found out all that shit and could have ran to the bank with that. I mean, it's the same thing that when the Johnny Craig interview happened, 
Like, I, I didn't release it. It could have been damning to Johnny, of all people. Yeah. But I was closer to his management, and I kind of owed them for all the shows they got me into. And in turn, they owed me. Mm. And and needing, you know, oh, having someone like that owe you a thing or two kept me in this scene and kept me going to shows and covering artists. And that's why 80% of the artists we covered in that era are from that fucking agency. And that's also to show how the inner workings work. Sometimes, you know, we highlighted AP Magazine shutting down a couple of stories and like, hey, sometimes in the industry things work the way that they work and us thinking that the real world can handle that was obviously a mistake as well. What do you think, obviously the scenes kind of, you're putting a bow on that in terms of where you're going with it. If you were to maintain a career in covering music and or sports, what do you think that looks like? Probably something I listen to uh, naturally. Whether it like, be something you create or if you want to like... There have been them. some awesome artists I've found through the podcast and having people market them to me or send a press release to get me to, to listen to a band. And they're they're good artists. They appeal to my, my liking, my style. I would jam them. But for the most part, it's a lot of like hip-hop artists, maybe a few EDM artists I can zone out to. Uh, there's not many rock bands that would keep me going back. Like I used to love Whitechapel, 08, 09, 2010. Yeah. And there just came a point when like their music changed, they evolved, and they're, they're a really good band, but what they evolved into wasn't what I, I wanted. And even their older stuff, like being so brutal, mm. talking about like killing chicks and shit like that, it's, it doesn't <clears throat> appeal to me at 35 the way it did as a heartbroken 22-year-old or 23 and, and yeah. think that shit's cool. I'm just kind of, you know, I'm over it. I never had a scene phase and did my hair and makeup and all that shit. Yeah. But, like, as far as a scene phase of listening to the music, I mean, that shit, God, I got so deep into the podcast that by the end of it, the end of scene radio, I was already jaded that I I was kind of over the music. And I've swayed back and forth. And if it weren't for, like, hip-hop having a, a, a rough stretch, like, through, like, that's the true. early 2010s. Yeah, yeah. I'm not. I don't give a fuck about Outside Lil Wayne Nelly anymore. Phase. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm over ASAP Rocky. Like I don't care about that shit. So, my, a lot of the rappers that I like started to come back. And there's a lot of new rap I like. And most of all, like Griselda, I'm obsessed with. If I'm a fan of anything, it's that shit. I'd like to do something in the hip hop world. I just think that's a little more difficult because my ties to it are so old and long gone. Do you think that there's do you think that there's a reason that you will stay attached, but maybe, I mean, because all those same things are going to be there. All the same ideas that you're going to be getting behind the veil perspectives, you're going to be seeing the real side of artists, you're going to be seeing the real side of events. Doesn't necessarily, I mean, it, that's something that transcends all scenes, not just the scene that we were popular in, right? But you're going to have that access if you continue to do music in general. If so, I still had a podcast, I wouldn't like try to turn away from scene bands or news about that shit i mean the biggest problem we had is that those bands didn't churn in news the way that a super celebrity who would strike on like a tmz right you know uh you're not able to talk about those bands in the same aspect as like super celebrities which also goes to show like the actual passion behind it rather than being in it for the clicks and the views because yeah it is true the scene that we're covering is yeah it's not a very popular scene to be a part of or be it is and it isn't it's like as much as i wanted like i always thought the way it's supposed to be is your band comes out your fans are young and they grow with you but in a lot of cases 
a lot of these bands just appeal to a certain age group. Because it's the and first so two the, albums. A lot of it, like that's and that's the fucking I hate to see name. Yeah. It's like, oh, I like their old shit. Yep. I only like the first album. Oh yeah, them Escape the Fate. Yeah, but not the new Escape the Fate. <clears throat> Whatever the fuck it is. It was always some fickle fan behind it. It's exactly. It's almost a not serious stage. It's right out of high school, the do-it-yourself phases. Because that's the who indie labels. It, yeah. Exactly. And then so at one point, the music has to start being taken serious, and then all of a sudden they sell out, or they change their tune, or they fucking sign to a major, or some other excuse that we like to throw out as fickle fan bases. But in reality, that's what it is. The people that are in the bands right out of high school, the bands where you're into, they grow up as adults, so they're going to start writing about adult shit and adult music. We do see this gross trend right now with people trying to fucking get nostalgic and come back with the original lineup and the original shit. And it's like, okay, cool. Are you going to have all the gross original shit you did when you were here in 2008 in the first place? Because that shit was gross too, bro. Like, why are you coming back? What are you it, coming a back A lot for? of them are cash grabs. Like, and there that's hasn't why a lot been of accusations le- are coming out. There hasn't been a legit 10-year tour that's like... Exactly. A very big scale where you're like, oh yeah, yeah that's cool, that's deserving. Like not my even chemi- family values or like the, yeah. the old. My Chemical Romance had. had their whole shit fucked up because of the pandemic, like delaying their shit. But it's like, how big is it a Skylit Drive reunion? Yeah. You know, like and it's, if it's Escape the Fate with Ronnie, how big could that fucking be? You know, it's it's all niche. Like that would bother me with any music genre, no matter what it was I was listening to. I mean, I don't need my personal favorites to be a huge artist or be right. underground. I don't. I definitely at one point could have been that elitist on the internet that thought like I don't want other people to know my artist, and that's why you specifically listen to obscure shit. That's mm-hmm. annoying. That's stupid. Like I don't care about that anymore. Like if I find more people that like evidence, that'd be dope as shit. But I just don't find everything as cool as I did at that point. How do you feel like you can continue a career in the journalism world uh, with or without blending in like the real side of Matt, which we were talking about a bit ago when you were like, I'm funny. I can snap back. I don't mind. You know, and for the sake of the stuff that we were talking about, we did have to come off a little bit more professional, well, you, yeah, you maybe a little bit more PC. Definitely don't make jokes about underage chicks getting fucked because people don't think that's funny when you exactly. like cover abuse and shit. Exactly. So what part of you is going to, or are you going to try to blend that side of, because that's where I see a lot of successful things potentially coming from, because again, I've had conversations on, on record and off record with you about how you're just, man, there is people that would love to sit and listen to you talk shit and sit and love and to listen to you debate things and just give perspective on things, right? You would have to, I think, learn boundaries and learn to toe lines, but that doesn't. That's not to say you have to be completely censored or completely filtered, right? You can lean into the unfiltered, uncensored, underground approach to things that you do appreciate and you do like about the media side. But you can also, I think, flex your your be nasty. I've considered a couple things. I've thought about the rap career. I've considered seriously, being, seriously, seriously, like seriously, okay. like yeah, bring it back, not? like like for me. More so Creative. than like, yeah, okay. but I want to, I want to get famous and get signed and get rich and all that good shit. You know, yeah. I got to fucking You want fame, clearly. Yeah. Matt's going I for fame. I want fucking money over fame. I'm a simple man. Like. I, that's weird because your personality screams look at me. Because I will, I, I'll, I'm a whore for the content. Like if we can get good content out of it or if I can get attention for it to bring it to the brand, then fine. Like someone told me that this, like last week, like. I said, just say you don't understand marketing and move on. And they're like, well, how is talking shit good marketing? 
And I said, your bitch ass is here, aren't you? You've been arguing for 12 tweets now, aren't you? And like, where we couldn't get the devotion of someone being dedicated enough to get their whole friend group or something or a whole high school to listen to us and really capture that demographic of these stupid fucking bands that only appeal to teenagers... Like, maybe we can just get them to talk about us and hate us enough. Because I'm good at that. I'm good at getting people to hate me and get mad at the shit I say. And when people get mad at the things I say, or I realize how, like, awful the people were that were, like, perpetrating these lies about me. Like, the friend group that it is. It's just, it's like the ugliest people in high school that hate everyone that's attractive. Yeah. Like, their whole timeline is, is them talking about someone else. Yeah. And I'm self-aware enough that I think, is that me? Did I do that? Was my timeline like that? And there were times that I made I Hate the Scenes Twitter like that, going after Ronnie Radke, going after, like, an abusive dude like Bradley Wallen, or whatever it may be. Here you go. What causes people to be so obsessed or involved with other people's lives, do you think? Like that? Like, those people, they, they have nothing going on. To the extent of... You know, I'll say we fall into that. We've been pretty fanatical in the past. So just in general. I, I will find it as a pastime to argue general. with you on Facebook. My thing right now is I love finding the racist NASCAR fans. I want to rid the sport of racist fans. Because the sport has a, has a viewership issue, has, has yep, money yep, issues. Yep. And I want to get rid of all the racists. So I, I always praise Bubba Wallace. And then someone comes after me. You could say the simplest shit. He's a great, talented driver, and someone's going to disagree. It's like, how are you going to say he's not talented when he just had, like, three straight second-place finishes? He has one career win, and you're going to say he's not talented. It's just any racist will say anything but the fact that they're racist. It's, it's a distraction. It's bullshit. I like arguing like that. I don't think I'm well for it. Like, there's times when I'm like, I gotta, I've been banned from Facebook more than anyone else I know. Like, I gotta put the shit oh, down. you're for sure in that category of someone has to say one, give you one little warning. I, I recently and you got something banned. reported because all I yeah. did was tag Cal. I tagged my British friend. Yeah. yeah. Oh, man. You're a savage. You okay? Bad blow. Oh. Go ahead. Um, did I answer that? You didn't. Well, I mean, to a degree, you didn't answer why you think people are that way. You answered why you are, I think. Uh, yeah, so I, I find that fun. And I, I think in, in, in another life, I might have been a lawyer because I'm good at arguing. I like backing people into that corner. Maybe that's because people used to back me into that corner and I didn't know why? how to get out. Right. You, you brought, no, trip. people saw that. You brought up that in these people's timelines, it's all about other people. And then you said, I wonder if I did that. So I think to a degree in the past you have. As any fan of things yeah. is going to, why do you think people obsess? What causes people to obsess so hard it becomes their identity in their timeline on Twitter or their identity we're in their timeline kids. in their real life? We're from a different era oh, and bro, we're, we're starting to yes get heads? old. What about the fucking deadheads and what about the fucking <laughs> guys that are into yes and rush? And Think about how old you were when you got exposed to the When internet. I went to a rush concert and got high with my dad, Shit. I was 12. Neil Peart is the best drummer. I went to Matchbox 20 when I was in uh, third grade. Oh, yeah, you did. Yeah, I don't like to admit that. But think about how Slide. old you Think about how old you were when you got the what? internet. Oh, that was Google Dolls. I was in fifth grade, fifth or sixth grade. When you got the internet? Yeah. Like at your house? Yeah. Like AOL 2.5 was in my home, quickly updated to 3.0 for a while, then 4, then 5, and so on. That's in the and then grade. eventually MSN and shit. But like. Yeah, I was in the eighth grade. Right before going into freshman year. I got it like right before I graduated from eighth grade or whatever. 
that we got introduced to the internet and we had already been a generation of kids that played outside and had yeah. limited options like do you want to play video games do you want to play with legos do you want to play with action figures of some sort like what did you do as a kid we didn't really have limited options we had uh, unlimited options i, I mean think. but that's what are you going to do you're going to play magic the gathering you're like you're going to do you're going to do that shit the internet wasn't providing the mass array of options of things to do in your pastime as a kid. So it's introduced to That's us true. and it's primitive. And by the time that it's like full-blown crazy tablets are going, we're in college, we're doing other shit, we're utilizing the internet for different things. You know, it's great that I can play online games and download shit. I love it. But I'm saying there's an entire generation of kids that only know the internet. That were born into this world and the internet had yeah. already reached a certain level. And they have only known, like, think about this, Brian. If you wanted to change something on a computer, most of the time you would right-click it. And now if you want to do that on a tablet, you just click and hold it. There's a whole generation of kids who are not going to know, like, right-clicking was a thing. That's, That's going to No, fucking Windows is going to go out the window. Everything's going to so, turn to tablet. It's going to be like that cartoon reboot, and everything's going to be a big, like, 3D screen. Like, they they know how to change shit because You're of that psychopath. and the Apple and the iPhone and shit. So I think they grow up on the internet in a different capacity than we do, and they create an entire social life and persona and their their TV they watch is free through YouTube or their whatever streaming is service. Very tied to everything the... they do is online. But they are, there are nothing. Older people that are also very identity driven in terms of like sports and politics. It, it could be politics any, it could be fucking anybody. But the only examples that I've seen where it blew my mind is the short time I lived in North Carolina and I and I seen kids like living in, living in the trailer. They love seeing bands. They had never been to a show because they're in an area where the closest show is like three hours away. Right. They're they're poor as fucks. They're not going to get out there. Their internet sucks, but they live on the shit. And, like, they have seen hair, but it's literally just to take pictures and post online. Right. They're not going anywhere. They don't have any options to go anywhere. And for a lot of people, it may be, like, the lack of a social life. That they, they don't have anything to do off the internet, so everything is online. Like, there's a lot of things I've done that were ugly, but you know how stupid I felt when I'm in an argument with Ronnie Radke and I'm with my girl and my kids at fucking SeaWorld? And I'm like, I, I'm gonna get in trouble for being on my phone. But I'm also arguing with a vocalist I don't even fucking like, and I'm at SeaWorld. I should be, like, clubbing baby seals with the kids or something. Oh, like, man. I should be, like, like shoving a straw through a turtle's nose or, like, beating an orca down when it's pregnant. You know, whatever SeaWorld attraction has that month. Instead, I'm arguing with the mediocre-ass vocalist, and that's when I feel really stupid. But I still don't think that I'm the person lacking the life like i i log off twitter it right. ends for me yeah, i don't go yeah. log on to the matt muscle white twitter yeah. and then go post everything i did that day your i don't talk about my family your storefront of twitter is that you're engaging and you had a brand it's to music i'll talk music and music, sports. sports you're not going to get anything about my personal life it's not all sharing one artist all sharing one thing this is the only night. picture you're getting on my house like yeah. you're not getting the rest of it like i like privacy i like that shit uh for the sake of, now I know I kind of drew up, hey, what about leaning into like your true self in terms of content? I do think that that's uh, doable, and I think people are getting a glimpse of that right now, and I think you are a character of sorts, right? But I mean that in the sense that... You think I'm a fraud? I don't think you're a fraud. Good. Are you projecting? 
No, because if you were, we'd have a fucking problem. Oh, my God. Anyways, I, um, you guys don't know this, but we actually cut the camera so I could whoop Matt's ass for talking about fucking Oh, yeah, no, I thought it was because you were kicks. throwing up because you're a fucking scene soy kicks. boy, little beta bitch boy. I was throwing up. I did throw up. Hence why my beer is now over there, guys. Yeah. Uh, but you know that because I probably prefaced it at the beginning of this episode. Do you ever think you need to take yourself more serious? And I mean that in a... I, I was going to segue into that, but... I, I mean, think you could lean into the assholeness. You could lean into this Matt. Right? I could be most hated Matt Musselwhite on Twitter and go with that persona. I don't personally want to. I don't aspire to be hated. And right, I don't aspire no. to be, like, any sort of social media icon or Twitter or, Not or, that you or do. influencer. Not that you do, but you are naturally loud look at me i'm fucking i know what's up you are don't say that you're not i'm not in a way no 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 in a sense of that's what you would lean into in this world you're not gonna next week be on fucking channel three news in a suit and a tie being that character because to you that wouldn't be fun or enthralling or motivating right so do you think maybe in order to do something along the lines of media and journalism like you plan on doing with your career, that it may take a shift to being more serious in order for it to pan out? Or do you think that maybe, hey, I can lean into who I am in the real world and as a character in terms of I can set a boundary and make it work? Like, at what point do you are you playing with, hey, I need to be more serious for my career to work out how I want it to, or I'm going to take what I got and make it more serious? Like, you know what I'm saying? I think there's always room for improvement as far as, like, can I take myself more serious or be more serious? And I definitely, Thank like I God said, for I, two I, shut levels. the fuck up. I log off of Twitter and I can go be serious and, and you know, work my job, be with the kids, whatever, you know. I can be serious. I, I, I can flip that switch the same way as when I worked in radio and I, I couldn't swear on air. True. And it's like, I swear a lot, so I got to be careful of that. Like, if we ran a podcast that didn't do that, I think I'd, be, I'd still be okay. And I, I wouldn't you say would. shit. You would. But I can, I can flip that switch. I think I could always be more serious. There's been times when I've looked at, like, the Twitter stuff and think, oh, did... You know, so-and-so see this, uh, it kind of looks stupid. Like, I wish I hadn't said that. Or, like, if I want to use this as a platform to jump off to go to, like, satellite radio or something, do I want this, like, reputation? And That's what I mean. Like, I didn't like the reputation the podcast had at the end when we decided to end, end it. This last year. Because yeah. they thought that we were just out to cancel bands. When you have an ironic name like I Hate the Scene, it's like, oh, well, we did this to ourselves. Like, Yeah, yeah that's fair. That's a valid we, point. we did these exposés and we did these, these like, these speaking up on shit where I felt obligated to. I, I did. Like, I knew shit. I was privy right. to shit. Like, right. the the stuff that introduced us, like, we got I got harassed by our subject. Like, I got knee-deep in it unintentionally, and a lot of shit fell on our doorstep. And we just... The obligation's always been there. Like, when, when news broke of another band, I felt I had to provide sure. the context yep. and tell the things that I had seen. And a lot of that came back to bite me in the ass. I have paid dearly for all the truth that I've said on that podcast from losing potential guests of bands that I used to respect from losing friends huh? that I used to respect from from losing potential viewers that could have you know meant something or anywhere closer to monetization yeah. like 
yeah, the, the people don't like when you tell the truth on them, and people don't like when you talk about their favorite band. Can and, you and I had into, a, I, I got my ass kicked over that. Can you lean into maybe the unapologetic nature of it all for the sake of knowing that that does work? Because that did get attention, right? At what the, cost? That's what I'm saying. Like, do it's, you lean into the unapologetic the nature, or this do you, is the cost? I mean, all right. I wasn't intending to get that real. I meant for like the sake of your career, goddammit. I meant for the sake of Jesus Christ. I meant for the sake of yeah, like... Yeah, I don't... I think by the at end At what of point it, is it unapologetic or, hey, maybe I do get more serious? I mean, I could get I could get more serious as fuck and do a completely different podcast and I don't think it would matter because I already broke like a band code. I already went and told the truth on a bunch of shit I'd seen on tour that I thought wow, was vile. Dude. I didn't even so, think about that. Band yeah, code. like there's... Look, I'm not going to say who it is, but we had a friend. He was in a real band like that. And because of the shit I said on the podcast, like he was offended by it because he's friends with that person. And I understand that. But it's also, too, it's like, let's not sit here and defend behavior or ignore it for the sake of guest list or, or anything like that. Because you definitely have not done that. No, because I, not I didn't, I didn't go chasing clout by knowing shit on these bands. I'm or, saying or, that genuinely. Like, yeah, literally, it cost me. It cost us, like, I would sit there and look at the Twitter and the followers would drop. They don't want to know that shit. So, yeah, that's that's my fuck up. I didn't mean to highlight, like, a fuck up. I just meant, like... No, you did, though. Fuck you. No, I didn't. What I meant to, what I meant for that to, the route for that to go is, like, you do pay, you do have a business savvy. You do pay attention to the followers, right? But what is that also? That's also like, are you paying attention to the followers? Is your shit hitting? No. Are you paying attention to the followers because you know that the followers equals success? Or are you paying attention to the followers because you know that that's what's making it? I have never looked at followers as like more friends, more popularity, more fame. I have always looked at those numbers are going to equal a paycheck. Eventually, okay. but it's not a direct result. The entertainment industry is the strangest place to make money because it's like you create an art and a bunch of other people make money off your art and you get the smallest chunk or it's so weird and like what we do because it's there's no direct career path for it and you're right. fringe on all this shit. And you could segue into i mean you do have a career trajectory in other realms right but if you did want to lean into the media side of things you could segue into like post-production on a radio station or production on a radio station not even necessarily being or advice wants to like investigate bands and do dark side of the scene that's where i'm trying to paint this picture there's a matt that needs to be see like matt doesn't be successful in the media world Editing. I meant to say this earlier. Matt's not successful in the media world behind the camera. Matt's successful in the media world on camera, vo- voicing his opinions, being heard, being listened to. And that's when I'm trying to get at, hey, do you take a serious tone and really hone in on being just a straight-laced professional? Or do you lean into the unapologetic nature, which has worked for you in the past? You ha- you've got to be on screen, bro. you got to be on screen. You're right. You have I mean, to be on screen and no have a microphone. There's no reason that, that it can't be both to a sense because of like who i am by nature that i just i'm not like i don't try to buck the system but when you eventually give me a rule that's like horse shit it's really really fucking hard to not remind you that it's horse shit you know so and you don't hold back no i think i would lean into something more serious just because i don't aspire to do any of the shit that i've been doing 
I don't want to dox any more people. I don't want to be in arguments with people. I don't want arguments to get to the point where I have to fucking dox you to get you to shut up so your five fucking parody accounts go away. Like, for a shitty fucking podcast with no viewers, we sure had a lot of fucking haters, man. Like... Like, that's a lot of attention and shit paid to. Like, how is there two different accounts of, like, Ronnie Loves Matt that's messaging yeah. me? Like, yeah. you can't do that and claim to be the victim yeah. in the yeah. same aspect. All that shit yeah. was crazy. But if I was to do something else, it would have to be serious. Because I don't want it to be like that was. It's possible. And there's a lot of people that said, you can't stop speaking up because... The mess, the 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 few support that we got outside of our friends thinking like, oh, that band interview was cool. We had a lot of women come come and message us and thank us for the episodes that we did on speaking up about bands that that are abusive or mm-hmm. or like. I mean, we did an episode that was like a checklist of abusive bands to watch out for, mm-hmm. and there were a lot of people survivors that we're thankful that we were, like, courageous enough to speak up on that shit. It's not like we were just making bands up either. These are bands that were fucking several allegations and on their way out. I I post this. There's there's all the news stories, like, are sourced and all that shit. Like, it's real stuff that that we didn't make up. That shit's out there. And it sucks because it it ruined a music scene. It ruined a bunch of favorite bands. I I don't think Warped Tour could exist today if it was still going because (laughs) as many of those bands that are on there, they're going to get canceled. But there was a lot of people that were thankful that we did shit like that and said you can't stop speaking up about it because no one else will yeah like i got flamed for it when i said state of the scene is not equipped to talk about this stuff they've proven that they're not you know and they thought it was a pick me yeah everything i do on social media is a pick me yeah like that's the point of there even being a twitter account is to pick me over everyone else listen to my shit but we're way better equipped to speak about that. I think we did. Every time we did that, we did it professionally. And we shined a light where people strayed away from, including AP Magazine. That's something and I to think be that, said, that shit, that means something to me. So, like, if all the other shit's a joke, everything got, got like, those episodes definitely meant the most. Because what like personally like we sacrificed in the name and the reputation Mm -hmm. and like the different guests that didn't want to come on because they're like oh well you talked about so and so also somebody something something somebody said about us was oh i hate the scene decided they wanted to be serious all of a sudden and i don't i don't necessarily want to tie it to the serious question but it does suck when we did initially come out and say have fun interviews. We did have fun interviews. We had a lot of fun guests on there, a lot of good times, a lot of laughs. We were very like nonchalant, but we always had a very professional and serious approach. And you've highlighted that. And that I think goes back to like your business centric history, right? And like, yeah, you always showed up on time. You always showed up ready to go two years nonstop, mind you. And that was a big reason why I was like, hey man, take a little bit of a break. Two plus years. I didn't want to stop. Two I was plus like, years. Every Friday, I've never missing a show. It's a big deal, and you probably weren't paying attention to it because, again, it's it's your thing. You're just being, you're just doing you. But the entire time we were professional and we were serious about it, we just decided to start talking about some serious topics, right? Where like a lot of the interviews and shit that we did, they were serious when it was geared towards the band. But then if it was a solo episode or an episode where it was just you, me, and Jordan, or you and me busting balls and going over news topics, it was a lot of laughs. It was a lot of good times and poking fun. But for us to also sit there and highlight accusations and highlight serious things that were going on, the death of um, Trevor from Black Dahlia murder being one of them, you know, people all of a sudden thought that we were changing or coming out of left field with a bunch of shit. And in reality, I think, you know, for 
a bit of us, we kind of got tired of the scene for a bit. We got tired of like where it was headed and what it was going. And I remember a couple times of us scratching our heads going, are we really just going to like only cover this for a while? Are we only going to like stick? I think stay that's focused an unfair criticism because while we had a fun show and, and like one of the roles like behind the scene was make sure the guest has a fun time. Correct. Like we're online. Yeah. You can't just hand them a beer and be a buddy with them. Well, that's them. what I mean. We did You got to be friends. But if you look at what we did on I Hate the Scene... Four, what is it? Five episodes in was the first time we ever mentioned bands abusing their fans. It was Blood on the Dance Floor. That's my point. The ninth episode on our show was the Black Lives Matter episode when all of like Minnesota was happening, George Floyd just happened. That's my so point. So to say that we flipped and got serious, we had been serious from exactly. the get-go. We're just fun-loving dudes that like know how to make an entertaining Egg, podcast. Exactly. And people raked us for the sake like they that's the fickle fan base in of itself. Like you're missing the point. We were serious. You just now all of a sudden want to pay attention to the seriousness because it fucks with your favorite band or it ruffles your identity because your identity is tied to this favorite you band. You want to know something crazy that's always intentionally been the formula for the podcast and probably anything i do what? because the podcast that what i is? that i'm obsessed with and listen to the most what they do that no one mm. catches on until years after listening is they give you what you want they give you the comedy they give you the funny they give you the controversy but they also slip in a little bit of is it politics? Is it a political agenda? Is it a little because bit of, of the humor of the seriousness? They're subtle, and and we and I always try to push something like Deuces the abuse with the band. What you're talking about. Right. I'm not. It's not even Jesus and Mero. The Lebetard show. Oh. Lebetard is like that. that it's, Lebetard's it's way more funny. serious. Yeah. It's prank calls. Yeah. It's it's Stu Gotts talking about uh, Michael Jordan's the best basketball player of all time. they've been kicked off for being serious on topics. Uh-huh. They've been kicked off for being serious and asking serious questions yep. during interviews. Yep. 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 That's yep. true. And so if yep. you look at the wow. people I worship in this business, mm-hmm. you'll realize where a lot of the inspiration and shit comes from. It's like... They they give you the funny and you pay attention and then you're sucked in because you know the next word's gonna be good and it's like hey by the way there's abuse in the scene this band did this and it's awful and we think it's fucked up and then they hear it and it's like oh shit I mean what's it gonna yeah. look like if the podcast legitimately was every episode of us trying to as they put it cancel a band yeah if like we're just speaking on all the bad shit every episode like we wouldn't have made it to 124 because i wouldn't have fucking wanted to do that that wouldn't have been fun it was way more fun to find a random band from calgary like trench and talk to them about wrestling and cold weather and how does yeah. cold weather influence metal and like dude we were we we asked some good ass questions to bands that were getting asked the same ass questions facts and like when the, sh- the show's over the shit i'm most proud of is speaking up on abuse, like the interviews we did, I know are unique. How many times did we log off and someone said, that was the best interview we've done? Yeah. We've done a bunch of these, and yeah. they asked the same shit. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, fuck with me. We're not not the same shit. That's Different I, level. That's what I want to get. The, I want to get you thinking. Big balls hanging. I want to get that, get that going. So, 
uh, it's clear that you're probably not done in terms of like creating content, obviously, whether or not it's scene related, who knows? I don't necessarily think that fucking matters. What I think does matter is that you do lean into that side of things, the continued approach of being a professional, continued approach of being serious, but also at the same time, I think you do need to more so lean into this character. And I say character, I mean like you're just unapologetic attitude, right? My gimmick? I Not even a gimmick, bro, because this isn't a gimmick, dude. This is you. What if I make a baby that's face what, turn that's and what just turn it, into like is like, and drop it, songs like that? I... It's my point. That's my point. Like uh, his fucking chick will be here and his kids. He's in front of the, I was going to ask you, but I know we got time crunch here. How has interim fatherhood like made you develop as a person? Because throughout the entire 15 plus years I've known you or whatnot, you have always had this kind of similar, uh, great way of saying it. Yes. You've had a general, a general disdain. I'm an only child. I don't have any cousins near my age. I didn't cool. grow up having to babysit. That's cool. I don't have any any like you didn't your little sister like we yeah. made fun of her. She was old enough. She she wasn't like a baby. Yeah. I'm not around kids. Yeah. I don't do kids. And because but you're of that, good at it. but hold on. But because of that, it's unfair if I was to ever get involved with someone who had kids. And so for years and years and years, there was a red flag I avoided. And. How the turntables, because you got two of them now. And in the years, like you said, can you get more serious? I've got more serious over the years. It blows my mind. You didn't see me, like, when I was in North Carolina and it was, like, real bad. I was sad off. And, like, I fucked off my money so fucking bad. From California to NC, I fucked all my money off. And then living the short time I was in Austin, I fucked all my money off. I was just not responsible with any of it, just doing dumb shit and then being sad and trying to live for the moment and spending even more. And I corrected all of that. I got all my finances straight years yeah, ago. Yeah, you have. Like, fixed all of that. You Because you're not going to do anything until you, you fix your money and you're not fucking stupid with it. Because any, any job you have, no matter how good it is, you're still going to spend stupidly. The kids, I just started trying things differently. Um, I started trying to approach things differently. I was never a morning person. I'm better in the mornings now. Oh, I'm get, like, I, I have 8 a.m. text from that. Yeah, I, I, I wake up ready to do shit, kind of um, in, in a chipper mood. Uh, I think the reggae bands for that. Something along the lines of having a tour, wake up early all the time, and then being be a better vibe of like reggae. Okay. I think that did something. It made me a better morning person and coffee. But I dated a chick that had kids and i fell in love with the kids and i consider myself a stepfather and i love taking them to sea world i love going out and, you know going to olive garden and having them yell and have to leave early <laughs> <laughs> i've seen he's not every... serious about the olive garden he is serious about them yelling and leaving early <laughs> i yeah i don't know if it was olive garden it was definitely a burger spot or somewhere else too but just going to the beach with them that shit's fun because they're innocent and fun and they don't know anything and i can show them race cars and like they're just not cool. yeah yeah not the violent fucked up shit in this world or war in ukraine or your favorite band's abusive like they're children yeah. children are the purest thing in the world yeah, yeah. not really because i still fucking hate kids i don't like your kids i don't like anyone else's kids i just like mine I yeah. just like these ones see that's i'm opposite i like i don't want kids right but i'm like oh yeah because i can get back i don't know your kids great <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. get back in the end well of the they day. eventually go to bed 
And then I can play Grand Theft Auto. Yeah, but then you got to worry about them sleeping. No, when they go to bed, sleep. I have to wait for my chick to go to bed. Then, then you I can play to, Grand Theft Auto. Then I have, to, yeah, I have to sneak out of bed. It's almost like you're a child and you have, like, time. Like, I, times, I finally have all the like, fucking games all the cool and the things. shit I can buy your own house. I want, you have your own house. And I still can't fucking play them. Your own money. You're almost like a fucking adult. And yet you still have a bedtime. You still got responsibilities and chores and fucking got to work. I have a natural bedtime. I really, like, used to... I used to uh, definitely drink a lot of Mountain Dew and stay up late and play StarCraft. Oh, man. And that, that's long gone. I can't do Bro, that Bro, you know what probably single-handedly... I don't drink soda either. As fat as I am, I don't drink soda. A, a vivid memory that definitely helped ruin my teen and childhood years, for sure, involves you. And it was when Xbox Live first came out and we played Crimson Sky or whatever it was we called. We played Counter-Strike and Crimson Sky yep. all, all fucking the night. time. All night. Did not was, sleep. We, yeah, we didn't go to Did bed. not sleep. Played fucking Counter-Strike. And, and dude, you know, that's another thing that I think about too is like, I think about kids coming up now and you're right, they are just completely developed in the internet and completely involved in that and this weird identity thing everybody goes through. Communications fall into shit. We've talked about that. But also, as we kind of wrap this up, it's, we're just... We're in an age where we're so connected, and that was, I think, the part of it. But what did that? What also started with that? The disconnect, the talking shit, the roasting people online, the fucking oh, I want pussy. Like, how bad was fucking cyberbullying for so long? And like, oh, dude, I felt it. I, I, I was like, dude, I'm getting cyberbullied. Bro, swatted, swatting was a real thing. People swatted, used to get yeah, swatted. Can you believe people time. still dox people? Yet, that's fucked up. I know. That's what I'm saying. And so. <laughs> Uh, people want me to apologize for doxing. Never. You didn't even dox people. Let, and, 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 and I, yeah, I want it to really be known. Not. I want it to be known. Literally just graduated with my communications degree. We have a fucking media law and ethics book at our fucking computer side constantly. Matt did not dox anybody. Matt technically did not dox anybody. And so legally did not dox. No, that's no not what number. doxing is. Everybody no that's freaking number. out, Just everybody that's out here screaming to their fucking top of their lungs. But there the thing no is, doxing. like, why I felt motivated to do that is I personally can't stand when when this when this microphone is abused or when you're using this this screen, this internet as your safety net. You can't just say things online that you don't answer for in real life. I have never operated that way. And I like look. You want to say we suck. You want to say I don't have a following. I have a bigger following than the fucking Twitter accounts that mouth off to us. Yeah. yeah. And I've never abused it in that sense. True. I've never come on here and perpetrated a lie about someone and tried to get them to follow that. That would be... I couldn't, I couldn't live with myself with that. And so that's why I'm like, I don't like underhanded tactics being used against us because I wouldn't stoop to those levels. And that shit made me go batshit crazy. Your fraud comment earlier, I understand where that comes from now because that was somebody, they did say, that was a comment, we got a fraud. And like that irked us for a bit because we're not. We understand the frauds. The frauds are these weird accounts that come in with with no reputation or no followers. The frauds are a lot of the content creators and people that we call out on the show coming in with their half-assed shows and a lot of their failed attempts at trying to either become viral or gain recognition just because of a guest. Hey, there were times where we fucking did several shows by ourselves because getting guests was fucking hard. And like, again, pointing back to Matt's career Or life gets in the way and I don't get to book anything that week. And so it's Friday, an hour before the show, and I'm like, what do we talk about? And I, I think there's a lot of podcasts that exist in the same realm of like talking about music and interviewing bands that would not be able 
to cope and record and do an episode. And that's where, like, I didn't want to end the streak. I felt pride on that streak of endless episodes because nobody else could keep up. No one else had as many episodes as us. And no one could keep going, like, week to week. Where I think there was a stretch where you had, like, 17 weeks straight with a guest. Yeah. And we're bringing you, like, live episodes every interviews. single time. and Interviews where these guests have to coordinate. And, like... I was s- like, dude, we should just, like... I'll just, like, operate on a different channel. I'll just do shit on Instagram Live so I can keep the episodes going. You're like, no, just get the fuck off. Yeah. Like, I wanted there to be a streak. I thought it meant something. And it really doesn't. I'm just tired, too. I mean, and you... I don't like that you brought up... That we're waiting until Friday to come up with news because that wasn't the case. We we would feel stressed when we didn't have a guest necessarily to fill time. My, and we I meant know, for my notes, again, like it's coming up with what I'm going to say on the show. Like I didn't have any time that week and I'm doing and, it the hour before. Well, true also to that, but like we were filling an hour at least every single time, right? And so when we get on there and we don't have an hour with a guest and questions prepared and them to banter with again, our scene wasn't very news oriented. We didn't get stuff on a daily, even sometimes weekly basis where it was hot topics and shit to talk about. And so that just kind of paints the picture of like, for it being the fraud comment, there's, there's so little fraud there. I never saw that. I would have fucking shot that person. Well, so. I mean, I would have for sure doxed you, the shit out of them. But I mean, them. you said a second <laughs> you said a second you call me a fraud and I'm like, "Oh, are you projecting because that's oh. not, I that's where I was coming from <laughs> with the I mean, no, we I was did just get being a comment. A dick. I know. Haven't you learned about me? We've been going for like two hours. You haven't learned I'm a dick yet? We have, 153. Um, dude, I'm fucking, this turned out even better than I thought, especially with the impromptu disaster in the house, because I think that's literally like our life in a it's nutshell. A what didn't I answer? What's not crossed off? Um, I crossed everything. I just, I asked what you wanted to do in the future. I think I just, I kind of segued that with like, hey, where do you see your career going? What do you plan on doing, leaning into? But I mean, you know. I don't know. I really. Now that it's that it's over and I'm off, I'm off. Do you off ever Twitter. see yourself not behind a microphone or in front of a camera or not in the public eye to some degree? You kind of do have yeah, a public yeah, image because because there was there was a time I was thinking, well, what if I just like found some young college kids that'll go and talk and say all this shit, and I can just write for them like Saturday Night Live, and I'll just be the guy pressing all the buttons back here. Because wouldn't it be funny if I fired off the sounds for them while they were like when you read that eulogy of that guy, and I fired off the fatality. See, that's my point. Okay. I could like You're set never people gonna, up like that. Do you ever see yourself not needing to be heard? Or not needing your 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 zings to be listened no, to. No, no. Someone's got to hear my jokes. I'm still gonna call you in like forty Always years. Always gonna and be, be like, attention Brian, seeking. Yes. Brian. Okay. Perfect. Perfect. That's okay. No, 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 no. Then clearly, the world is gonna also have to hear you, Matt. That's my point. If oh yeah. If I've got to hear you for the rest of my life, the world's got to hear you for the rest of your life. So. <laughs> and spell my name right. Oh, is it Ellie? W H I T E? No, it's E L. I'm That's talking to everyone on the fucking oh, internet yeah. right now. Yeah, it's spelt like muscle. Like if yeah, if you're gonna hate me, it's like the seashell and the color. Get it fucking it's right. Spelt like muscle. Yeah, it's my Twitter account. Matt, where, where can they find you on social media <laughs> well, so they can listen to you? You can't and find all me your at great I hate the ideas scene. that you have. You can't find me at I hate the scene for sure. Uh, and I just changed my personal Twitter account 
So I don't remember. You can find this episode though, and all of our 124 previous episodes that we did at IHateTheScene.com, which will be live and on iTunes, Apple Music, which will be live on YouTube. We're not giving it a date, but it will be live for a while. You can go there to definitely like hang out with the ghosts. And when I'm at the end of a bottle and a shotgun, I'm gonna deactivate everything so every the whole world forgets about me. Are you giving out the personal stuff just for? Yeah, my personal Twitter is at MuscleWhiteMat. Spell it right, you'll figure it out. And then Instagram. And if personal? you want to play Grand Theft Auto or uh, NBA or the new one that I'm going to pre-order, then uh, get on Xbox. It's icy hyphy, like your eye, and you can see. E Y E. Yeah, I'll put it all in the fucking preface. You'll find it. We'll get that. You guys will figure out why I threw oh, up I go the in groceries. the preface. He's got to go get groceries. CommonCast.net for all your guys' needs. It was a great time, Matt. Appreciate you. Love you, yeah, buddy. I bet you do.